Hello and welcome to Don't Tell Me, episode 232, right? Right? Correct. Wow, of the random You know, one of these times we're going to... Well, these times we're going to say it in unison because you never tell me you're going to lead. <laughs> so we're just going to be like in perfect unison. Hello and welcome. It's more fun this way. But yeah, um, I'm Angel. I'm Jason. I'm Kevin. And today we have an episode called something that Jason came up with. And you could tell yeah. he came up with sure. it. Sure. Okay. So we're calling this episode. It's not my finest, but we're calling this episode Mochas and Mobas. Because there we're it goes with that Wii stuff again. <laughs> we as, as Ram Nintendo as a unified collective. Fine. The brand of Ram Nintendo is calling this episode <laughs> Mochas and Mobas. Uh, as we collectively, us three, are going to be discussing two new Pokemon games, Pokemon Cafe Mix and Pokemon Unite. The first being impressions and the Mocha side of things, and the second being our take on the news of Pokemon not only getting its own MOBA, but also the fan reaction and the involvement of Tencent in the uh, production. And outside of that, we also got uh, impressions of Ninjala and Smash Bros. Ultimate's uh, Min Min DLC, a revisit of Luigi's Mansion 3, uh, especially in light of some recent comments from the game's original producer, the game's producer who's now going on to produce uh, Paper Mario and the Origami King. He's been saying some interesting things in interviews that kind of explain a lot and uh reports that nintendo's cooling down on their mobile plans and maybe kind of pumping the brakes on that a little so um yeah i guess like any i guess so much this is free to play we could yeah i I could say this is cheesy but i'm gonna do it so i guess like any good free to play game we're gonna start with the stuff that's free cafe mix and jolly unite and then move towards the more premium stuff with smash and luigi's mansion so uh if there's anything you want here in particular timestamps around town.com or in the video under this or in under this video on youtube but yeah, besides that, that that's also that's... how you started a buffet. You start with the free stuff, <laughs> and then like if you want the premium stuff, uh, that's it's true. That's it's true. Maybe this episode really is a tribute to our fallen comrades. Wait, there's free the stuff buffet. in a buffet. Oh, wait, well, there's like Are there the stuff... premium. Like, think of Sizzler. Wait, so you're saying there's stuff in a buffet that you have to pay an additional no, no. amount to get? Think of well, Sizzler. Well, there's like upcharges for for like other things. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Or or straight up Sizzler, where like you go, you get your buffet, but well, then you I've order never your been main to course. Um, you have because I've been there with you in college. It's to Sizzler? No, we went, yeah, we no, went, we went to we Olive went to Garden. Sizzler. We didn't go to Sizzler. I'm, nope, we went to Sizzler. I will find the check-in on Foursquare and show you. I'm pretty this. sure I wasn't there, though, because I definitely haven't been I'm, to a Sizzler. I thought Foursquare like was done with. It sort of is still around. Now it's called Swarm, and I still check in. I have like 10 years of check-in history. It's kind of ridiculous, but kind of cool. So actually. what's Foursquare then? Foursquare is basically Yelp Jr., and Swarm is where they get data to see what people like, like in different places and use to make the recommendations in Foursquare. They're data mining me, and I'm letting them. I'm actively letting them. I'm actively data mining myself for them by checking in. Okay. Yep. Yep. That's my life. I live. But uh, yeah, let's just let's just jump right into it before I go down this rabbit hole of how I just give up all my data at everyone. Yeah. Never went to Sizzler. First time I had lobster was at Disneyland. What? First time I had lobster was at Disneyland. <laughs> the lobster nachos. They are very good. What? Well, did anyone question? First time I ever had lobster was at Red Lobster. The first time I ever had – oh, I'm going to – god, this doesn't – I'm not going to say it because it sounds like I'm bragging. <sighs> Never mind. I had to think about it and I realized the first time I had lobster was uh, in Bergen, Norway in a giant castle. So now it's awkward. Ooh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, let's, let's just jump into the game. We're talking about food anyway, so I, maybe we just go straight to Pokemon Cafe Mix and start there. Um, I think I'm the only one that's played it though, right, of the three of us? Yeah, Correct. not something that really caught my attention. It'd probably be very unfair for the game for me to talk about it. 
That that's fair. But the the reason I want to start with it specifically is because I feel like there's been a sort of like multi episode story arc forming here. When like when it was first announced in that episode, the Random Tale podcast, I said it looked shallow, and I but I would probably end up liking it. Then in our last Quarantine Chronicles, I was like, okay, so I uh, I have played it and I do like it. So now to bring the trilogy to a close, here's why I like it and what it's about and everything. So. Um, it really is sort of a classic case of, like, don't judge a book by its cover, I think. Cause, um, although I guess in this case, actually, no, I take that back. You should also judge it by its cover because it's a very charming, adorable-looking game. Like, I – before I even get into the gameplay, like, I just want to kind of commend the art style because it does really stand out against other Pokemon releases in a yeah, way that few of the guess, spinoffs do. I guess I could speak to that. It does look very, very pretty. really love how it's not quite toony, but it just feels – it just feels different. It's nice. It's – it feels like they actually put a lot of effort into just redesigning the Pokemon to fit this more cutesy but not simplified art style. And it's really like the aesthetic is very representative of the game in general because the whole game just has this kind of wholesome vibe to it. Like the, the basic premise is you're opening up a Pokemon cafe. It's you, another human, and a bunch of Pokemon who serve as your staff and customers. And different Pokemon will come in to place orders for food or drink, and the game progresses uh, as new Pokemon introduce new elements as you make them their dishes. In other words, new puzzle mechanics from new Pokemon. So the dishes themselves are all Pokemon-themed, be it you know something simple like an Eevee latte design to a Doug Trio sandwich. It's all very charming. It's actually – they all look really good. And one kind of cool thing they're doing is in August in Japan – You'll be able to go to the real-life Pokemon Cafe and order all the menu items from the game in real life, which if coronavirus wasn't a thing, I would totally want to do. Like they have like pancakes that are like like a short stack with little EV ears. I'm kind of curious what those ears are made of. Like how do you how do they have the? Regardless, um, there's pit, we'll we'll link to the um, in the blog posters up. So we'll link to an article that has pictures of the food if you're curious. But the point is, as you make these dishes. Um, some of your Pokemon customers offer to start working for you because they love your so they love your cafe so much. Because again, you know, totally wholesome here. No, no one's asking to be paid. They just want to join the team because they like your food and they want to make it too. It's, and then when they join your team, they get a little adorable hats and it's great. But yeah, adding um, to your roster does one of two things. It lets you use them for the puzzles and it helps to expand your cafe. Which again, just to really hammer the point that this game is charming, your little Parisian style cafe like. When you expand it, it's more of a visual thing. It just means there's more areas for your Pokemon to go sit and eat, and then you can scroll around and just look at them happily eating at their tables, and they're all, like, bopping their heads and smiling, and, like, this is a game where Snubble smiles. I don't know if the 20, what, 21-year history of Snubble, if I've ever seen a happy Snubble, but they figured out a way in this game to make I'm him happy. So <laughs> pretty sure I've seen a Snubble smile, but I don't want to... I'm pretty sure it's in the Pokemon to me, because it feels like I have that image in my head for some reason. Mm. I uh, well, this is one where you don't have to. Um, he smiles by his own choice, opposed to you like poking him with a stylus. I, mean, I guess him? I don't know. Yeah, poking Still him his with a choice. Stylus. I know, I know. I'm just saying, Snubble's happy, and I never see Snubble happy. But anyway, I keep going on these tangents about the wholesomeness. The point is, uh, I already sort of touched on it, but let's let's talk about the gameplay. That's really what impressions are about. So to to back up for a sec before I get into the Pokemon abilities, um, we should probably talk about the very basics. Uh, as it was shown in the Pokemon Presents, um, this is very much like a different sort of puzzle game. There's no grid with blocks or locked directions as you slide. Instead, the game has you use the touchscreen and only the touchscreen. So if you decide to play on Switch like I did versus mobile, TV mode does not work. Only touchscreen. But anyway, you basically um, have this pile of Pokemon face blocks on the screen and you need to connect them with your finger. And my concern watching the initial trailer, which I think I said last episode, was you could just sort of wave your finger around and get maximum combos and 
it's easy and it's pointless. The thing is that doesn't actually help you as much as you think because the game's not about clearing the board of the Pokemon directly. It's actually about clearing the board of certain ingredients like sugar cubes or chestnuts or whipped cream. Uh, and the more of which you clear and the more you progress through the game, you more, the more of which you then unlock and there's more variety and more new obstacles and that sort of thing. And they tweak the core mechanic with each new ingredient um, or as the game calls them rather unironically gimmicks which seems like kind of a weirdly like transparent way of describing it. But yeah, so there's these gimmicks and ingredients, and um, there are sometimes other things you have to do too, like you might need to get a max combo of Pokemon blocks um, or a high score you have to hit, but you, it ultimately always comes down to the ingredients have to be cleared off the board, the gimmicks have to be removed, and you only have a set number of moves to do that and complete the other tasks like the high score or the combo chain number or whatever it is. So as such actually requires you to be a little strategic about how you go about linking together your Pokemon. Like, just on the ingredient gimmick side, there's different things to be mindful of. For example, sugar cubes, they're stationary. They require Pokemon links to in some way touch them three times before they disappear, while whipped cream also requires three touches of a Pokemon link, so you just need to, like, link adjacent to it, basically. But they will move around as you move around the Pokemon. They're not stationary. So you have to be a bit more strategic about how you draw your links and where they go and make sure the whipped cream doesn't, like get looped out or looped in or whatever and then there's other ones like chestnuts which are solely dependent on using the very special skills that your pokemon employees have so that's kind of the other layer of the game is there's this cafe skill system and every pokemon you bring on as a staffer can be assigned as your partner for a particular recipe and then that allows you to uh, use their special ability to help clear more of the board for example um, charmander he can shoot fire and that will melt sugar cubes in one hit instead of three like that sort of thing and some so of the ingredients. Can yeah. you interview these Pokemon and like look at the no, resume no, and reject no, them? No, sadly not. I mean, so the like game's their too wage, wholesome. Do you have to pay them? They're like a. You do not pay them. They're doing it out of the goodness of their hearts because they enjoy your product. So is That's this like a vol- exploitation? Is this a it volunteer sure service thing? I don't know like, exactly. Like I, you, like when like when you give the Pokemon their mochas, do they do you get like poke currency from them or? You get you, friendship. You get friendship. You get huh. friendship stars, and when you get enough friendship stars per Pokemon, that's when they will then say, "I want to work for you." And then you give them their hat, which is probably their payment. They wear it; they look so adorable, it's like and then they make you things. But with extra it's steps, it's like it's like brainwashing. It's like Stockholm <laughs> syndrome of the poor Pokemon. It sounds like you're drugging them, and then when you like give them enough, like they just want to. I mean, if, if 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 you ever call drugging someone giving them friendship stars, then sure, <laughs> maybe. But um, and you do, and the problem is you do. To your point, you do um, need to definitely drug as many of the Pokemon as you can because, well, it's not to say is different ingredients require different things, right? So um, the chestnuts, for example, they can only be cleared with a Pokemon skill. And then later on, different, you know, specific ingredients require different skills from different Pokemon. So you do, if you want to take the not wholesome approach here, you do need to drug as many Pokemon as pop as possible and get them into your like cafe, like work harem, for lack of a better term. <laughs> and then that's how you win the game. Work harem. <laughs> but I much prefer the theory that they're doing it out of the goodness of their hearts and they just love the food and they, you know, like they have a group of um I can't remember which Pokemon it is, but they're like a construction crew, and they come in, and they all get their food, and then one of them's like, I want to work for you, and it's great. The but anyway. Conkledors? Uh, no. Uh, yes. Girders? I think – I don't, actually don't remember. The one, I was going to say the guys that look like little um, fighter people, but I don't think it's them either. <laughs> fighter people? I mean, is it fighter holding people. a giant log? No. Huh. No. I wonder which one it is. Or maybe it was. I don't remember. I was so captivated by everything else that I completely ignored which Pokemon it was. I know Snubble's happy, and there's no Bidoof as far as I can tell, which is disappointing. <laughs> um, yeah. 
But anyway, so you you get the Pokemon, you get their is there skills. A uh, yeah, is is there? Is a good question. I don't remember seeing one. Well, they have so I guess job. Angel will not be downloading it. Well, yeah, less, the, um, so yeah. yeah, right, right. You'll somehow download it even less. You will you will go to the server and install an extra copy on the central server. That's what you'll do. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so the, the skill system um, – so these skills, of course, they're not just willy-nilly. There's a meter you have to fill. You fill that by completing links, and then that's when you can use the skill. So like as I'm describing it, it probably sounds like a lot, but ultimately like it is a pretty relaxing kind of chill game. The flow of it is basically you go into a recipe, you link some Pokemon blocks, and then you use those links to either A, clear ingredients out, and, and or B, build up and use your cafe skills to uh, – get what you can't clear out any other way and that's basically it so it's 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 simple but it's also deeper um than you'd expect while still kind of having the intuitiveness of what looked like the drag your finger aimlessly sort of surface level look of the gameplay like there's more to it but it still feels as like natural you just kind of move things around as you need to there's just a little logic to it plus should you need help on any given puzzles the game offers a few different items that let you clear entire rows or columns or the closest thing it has to rows or columns um whether or not it's pokemon or ingredients or what which kind of brings us to the last part, which is the monetization. So the game does Uh-oh. give out those items for free, yeah, in limited quantities. But they're also one of the things you can buy. And this is a free-to-play game after all, so um, that means there is stuff you have to buy. I feel like it's not too intrusive, though. The items you can buy like aren't necessarily key to win. Uh, they can help you if you're stuck, but they, you don't need them. They just clear things. You know, They save you a move, essentially. Um this aspect of it is probably the heart system, which, like so many other free to plays, are they're what let you play the puzzles. So if you run, you can you know run out of hearts, and then you can't do any more puzzles. If it's a new puzzle, if it's retrying one you failed, that's the end of the puzzles until you either wait for the time to respawn, or you know pay up. And this game's currency is acorns, which uh, can be earned slowly in game or bought in bulk. Uh, but I haven't found it to be too problematic for the game to stop, since for me at least. It, this game is best played in small bursts, like a few recipes here, a few recipes there. And luckily, the things you think they would monetize, like recruiting new Pokemon staff, does not require payment. Everyone you encounter in-game is earned by making them repeat recipes and getting those friendship stars. When you reach a certain number of stars, they join you. Uh, the one exception to this is there are a separate set of Pokemon, it looks like, that aren't part of the main story that you could just kind of get. Like there's a special Pikachu if you buy an item pack that comes in with whatever ability but they don't actually lock down any of the progress behind pay like a paywall so that's good and, and again it's you know they're extra characters and not the regular cast so you don't really feel obligated to buy them so um you know obviously any sort of microtransactions suck some of the life out of a game but i feel like the overall charm of cafe mix along with the fact that like the puzzles do have some depth to them beyond just scribbling your finger around makes up for it and i think if you enjoy puzzle games and want something a little different i'd recommend checking it out i'm enjoying it it's free so no harm, no foul if you try it. And if nothing else, you'll swoon at the little Pokemon hats. So, you know, that's worth it. That's probably worth a couple hundred megs of a download on your Switch. So you're saying this so, isn't going to so replace that, Pokemon Puzzle League anytime soon? I don't think it's going to replace Pokemon Puzzle League. It kind of has more of a vibe of but like... what will, honestly? Nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, and it is like a looser connection to Pokemon. Like they're there, but they could have easily made this about any characters. While Puzzle League, granted, could also be anything, but they did a good job integrating the gym progression system into Puzzle League. So, yeah, this is its own little beast. It's kind of more in the vein of Trozy, I think, it, at least in terms of look and feel, um, not in terms of gameplay. But yeah, so that that is um, that is Pokemon Cafe Mix. Well, 
Uh, the same week that that arrived, however, we also got the long, long, long overdue Ninjala, or Ninjala, as the announcer seems to call it. Uh, and this is a game we first saw like two years ago, and only now is it out. And uh, it's kind of the same as what we saw two years ago. Like, Angel, you and I played it together with some friends earlier in the week. What did you make of it? I can't believe it's been that long, honestly. Since it came out or since we played it? Since we played it. <laughs> it's been like three days. No, I first played it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's been 72 hours, dude. Yeah, no, you're right. It, um, Yeah, it was E3 2018. Yeah, so... All right, so I have a few things to say about this game. Like, first, it will take some time to get used to it. Even if, like, you do end up loving it or hating it, like, regardless, you're not going to get it right away. Like, it definitely takes a couple matches to even figure out not only how to play, like, even after doing the tutorial, um, like, it felt like, oh, man, there's a couple good options here. But after playing a couple rounds with friends, you kind of figure out which weapon is the best because I got to try them each separately and also just... You only really have to press one button. But essentially, the objective of each match is to get the most points. At first, I thought that would mean, all right, maybe go after the other players because they would obviously be worth more points than taking out the robot drones. But no, turns out the best strategy is just to go after the robot drones, as the video in the beginning tells you to. So, you know, it wasn't lying. <laughs> yeah, but, none of us did that right. <laughs> but the thing is, like, so after the first game, like, I didn't do that. I was just going after people. I kept dying. It takes for attacks are i'm guessing intentionally very slow and getting hit by attacks just feels like an eternity because it just takes you out of the game for so long and then you die and then you have to respawn and then you're back in so after that first game i literally just spent the other three games just running around ignoring them and avoiding them and just going after the robot drones and that was like the easiest three wins i ever could wait that's how you beat us yeah just by not playing with you guys just not using the mechanics of the game and using the other mechanics. Like, not doing any of the combat mechanics. Well, I was using the combat mechanics against the robot drones instead right, of you guys. Right, And the only times, like, I ever had to fight anyone was where... That was pretty much just running around in a big circle. Occasionally, mm-hmm. one of you guys would take the fight to the path. Or one of you guys would get become a straggler. And I would see you guys running up behind me. And then I would just, like, quickly turn around and, and like, attack you because you wouldn't see it coming. And then just continue mm-hmm. on my path. And that ended up doing it. So essentially, I guess kind of like a ninja, it does achieve doing that. Avoid combat at all costs, unless you really have to. (laughs) And just go for the prize. And that's all you really need. But, I mean, for me, like, the combat still felt stilted. Like, it didn't quite feel right years ago when we played it. It felt a little better in the tutorial, but still not quite right. And even after getting my hands on it for a little while longer, like, it just didn't click with me. Um... It definitely feels like it has the potential to be really good. Maybe if I stuck with it for a couple more weeks. But, you know, in this day and age when time is very valuable, you kind of do have to make the the executive decision almost on the first day. But, yeah. Yeah, so unfortunately for me, like, it, I'm probably not going to play it anymore. But it, 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 has, it has its charm. Um, I, it still feels I like honest, it has more sorry. to grow. You could tell it wasn't intent, always intended to be a mobile free-to-play game but you know it is whatever. technically it's still not a mobile one it's only on switch but yes it is very a mobile, much styled, a mobile, like a mobile style one. free-to-play game yeah yes, yes. yeah but uh I, I was gonna say that i i i kind of feel similar like honestly i think ninjala has some really interesting gameplay ideas that have potential if they refine them a bit like the the joke of course 
is oh it's a knockoff of splatoon aesthetically yeah it is similar but like on the gameplay side to your point you know if you're running doing jones or battling it is different it's more of a close combat brawler if anything although if you choose to fight opponents versus drones seems to be where we diverge in terms of who is successful in the game but but like there's times when you're doing like these kind of combo move things and it you're suspended in air and you're kind of doing it's almost like a kid-friendly devil may cry kind of thing which is kind of cool for those moments but the one thing i think was kind of like a missed opportunity was the gun mechanic they have like it is interesting but i kind of wish they did more because the i remember in the e3 demo when we played it you could blow a bubble as big as you like and have it at any time and they could trap opponent in it or and wall play on them while they're in there but sort of sort of and you can also use it to make bigger weapons right and it's sort of still there but both of those features are kind of more restricted now you can only upgrade to a bigger weapon once your meters filled a certain amount and then the bubble just kind of randomly gets bigger at that one time when they tell you it's now going to get bigger and you can use the gum to attack people but it's now almost like a projectile sticky bomb versus something where like someone could run into your bubble and get stuck up against you like you could just hold the bubble out and they get stuck and i have to like launch it so it is a little different it feels like they kind of stepped it back from the more weird gameplay it was before to almost kind of just reskinning the idea of like a secondary weapon and upgrading weapons on the fly which sure i guess i kind of preferred the more loose feel of the original it felt a little more like unique um but it does on some level make sense that they wanted to kind of go the route of the more competitive because like the, the thing that i found kind of interesting about this game is it has a weird like dichotomy where it's certainly has shades of a more competitive type game like splatoon like you're leveling up you're equipping upgrading weapons in three different classes i think um you know that sort of thing but then on the flip side like the go hunt the drones thing you're talking about and some of the stuff they do throughout that it almost has more of a mario kart vibe at times with so many elements of chance at play like if you want to base the matches rank the match rankings on points that's fine but to throw in like a bonus like mario party bonus star thing at the end where it's like oh who hit the most drones and who got the most epons which is basically their comboed ko's like that seems to sort of undercut the competitive side in a way because they're angling the competitive like get better weapons upgrade them like do this level up and then go fight but actually you'll get bonuses if you don't fight and it's just like well which is it it seems a little like they're kind of at odds with one another to me but i think what might be the most egregious of it all at least in my opinion is this parrying, uh, yeah, parrying system that they have. Uh, it's basically rock, paper, scissors, right? Yeah. Which, sure, like, some competitive games have it a variant of. Even Pokin does it in in a way. But this one just feels kind of off. Like, it literally boils down to um, if you hit left or – like, you'll, you'll go and you'll face someone. And I don't know what determines your parrying now versus you're not. But you go and you hit someone, and left, right will beat up. Down will beat left, right, and up will beat down. And if you get this, if you both pick the same direction, these are just control stick swings. So you both pick up, you just tie and have to do it again. And you could sit there for a while and just keep doing it. And the fact that it's like this simple of a rock, paper, scissor mechanic, yet so obtuse in how it's like presented player with no explanation of why is it happening right now, which one beats which. I'd go on Google to find that out. Uh, you know, there's no deeper strategy involved. So I'm just going to hit the right stick and hope they hit the down, I guess. Like, it just leaves so much up to chance. I'm kind of like, well, is this competitive? If it's really just pure luck at the end of who happens to hit the stick in the right direction? So that's kind of my, my qualms with it. But I think that the worst part, actually, is the game never explains anything. I mean, you sort of touched on this, Angel, but there's so much simple stuff that's left out when you start playing. It's all just like a confusing hodgepodge. They don't explain the, that parrying system. They don't bother uh, to make a way to easily hop online with friends right when you boot up the game. Instead, you have to like make a room and have a 16-digit room ID and share that with your friends, even though it is connected to your Nintendo account and it can see your friends because it's on the Switch. 
And and then when you do go through all that motion of making the ID uh, in the room, you don't even get like a loading icon when you input the code. You just wait, and suddenly the screen switches. You have no idea if yeah, it froze. Yeah, it no feels like the game worked. is frozen. And those loading yeah. times are pretty abysmal. Long. And then there's other weird stuff, like they I mean, made in-game videos. Like it, as you said, like it'd be, it'd be better if you had an indication that it was loading. But most of the yeah. time it just feels like, why can't I move it? And then you accidentally press B thinking that you want to back out, but then it turns out it was just loading and then you back out again. So now I have to go back into the menu and just yeah. wait again. So it's, and it's not great. Speaking of pressing, yeah. And speaking of pressing B, another weird thing, all the in-game videos load through the Switch's web browser. So the game dumps you in a in-game web browser to watch a video. Then when the video ends, the video just stops. <laughs> yeah. And then it's the like, return so you have to hit B. Yes. Yeah, so you have to hit, you like inexplicably hit B like three times just to get to the next screen, which by the way, usually A is the confirmation thing, not B, but because you're backing, you're backing out to go forward. So it's really like, doesn't make sense. And obviously these are all things they can fix and I'm sure they will. But when you have 2 million downloads already, which is an impressive fee, like props to the Ninjala team for achieving that, that's, that two million in like a week that's cool but when you have so many downloads and the game is this unclear and this like confusing you're going to lose your future audience like telling people press zr to attack and yet never mentioning parrying in the tutorial or going into details about how special moves work or anything like that like the confusion that's going to come out of that is going to turn people off if you know if, if even if the core dichotomy of competitive versus luck didn't already where they're kind of at odds with one another and I think Angel, you you nailed it when you're like it didn't click with you and you don't have the time to keep going. Like there was an article, I think it was going to yeah, it was Go Nintendo um, the other day, and he he uh, Rami Cowboy. For a second, I thought you said Nintendo. like I, when you said Go Nintendo, I posted it as a random Nintendo, and I'm oh, like, oh, no. there's a yeah, little we, site. It's like, oh wow. Yeah, there's this little site, random town. I don't know if anyone's heard of it, uh, but no, there's yeah, there's Go on Go Nintendo. Rami Cowboy did an article about like what it takes for a game to click with you. Like how long do you go before you give up? And he was saying that Ninjala hasn't clicked with him yet, and I was sitting there reading it like. Yeah, I feel exactly the same. Like I played online with you guys as a four-person match, a couple of those. I did some online eight-player matches last night, and there's just like so much random weirdness going on. There's no real in-game feedback or guide or anything that like not only hasn't it clicked with me, but I don't know how it can click with me because I still – like I guess if I go spend hours researching online, but like who of those two million people are going to do that really? So they kind of like hurt themselves a little. Like I, ultimately I guess what I'm saying is I feel like what's holding Ninjala back – is that the developers focused on what they want Ninjala to be in the future, not what it needs to be right now. Like the lack of onboarding within the game, the lack of simple that loading indicators. Is that a quote you heard from a superhero movie? No, that's me being poetic. Uh, but no, like the lack of the lack of like onboarding and loading indicators, the limitation of only two maps right now, yet all the microtransactions are in place. You know, uh, the single-player mode, it's sure, it's a $5 download, that's fine, but it's only 45 minutes long, like or so I've read. Um this isn't to say more isn't coming. Like I, you know, I know that like with many other free to plays, they're using a season system. They've already outlined season two and three are coming down the pipe. They'll have new stages, a spectator mode, new weapons beyond the three currently available or the three types currently available. But right now, it really just feels to me like Gung Ho spent the two year delay since we last played Ninjala, building the world of Ninjala instead of the game of Ninjala. I mean, like they're already talking Whoa, about turning. I know. I know, but no, they're already, seriously though. They're already talking about turning this into like a cross media franchise. They enlisted Steve Aoki to like make a theme song for it. Yeah, they have make an sure anime the game in the is good first. Yeah, and the thing is, like to be fair to uh, you know Aoki aside, all the things they're doing is exactly what Splatoon did. It too started with small amount content, albeit more than Ninjala because it was a premium product and kind of had to. And Splatoon t- also ultimately got some uh, manga. In fact, the Squid Kids comedy show, as it's called 
which um, has been out in Japan for a while, is coincidentally being localized and released by Viz in two weeks here in the U.S. on July 14th. And it's like 120 pages long. Like it's a hefty, it's a hefty uh, tome of, of Squid Kids. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll link to a story about it in the blog post for everyone's interested in, the, in that. But the point is Splatoon built up towards these cross-media ambitions and laid a solid foundation in its core game to successfully get to where it is now. It feels like Gung Ho is trying to like speed run through the process. And as a result, like the core foundation just isn't as strong as it should be. And that's going to end up being what hurts it, I think. And, like, I do get why they did, why they wanted to rush this. I mean, right now, in particular, game properties are super hot commodities to expand into other mediums. I mean, literally, in just the past week or so, there were so many things revealed. Like, it was revealed that a TV show based on Disco Elysium is in the works from the co producer of the Sonic movie. A My Friend Pedro TV show is being developed by the co creator really? of uh, John Wick. Uh huh. Amazon and Bethesda are teaming up to do a Fallout show by the Westworld creators. Um, and that's not even counting or including previous announcements like Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds doing a Dragon um, D- Dragon Wow, what's a Dragon's Lair movie, or Netflix and CD Projekt Red producing a cyberpunk anime with Studio Trigger, which I'm sure makes Ooh. you happy, Kevin. So like, they're like, I get like right now is like the moment to do like this crazy multimedia blitz of a franchise, but I wish their priorities were flipped around a bit to focus on like the core game of Ninja more. That that's really it, because like. Didn't Inafume also want like a uh, a Mighty Number no. Nine like theme park and anime? <laughs> theme park. And then <laughs> he was gonna send someone dressed as Mighty Number no. Nine into space. No, yeah, he did want all that stuff. He was super. He was doing exactly what Gung Ho's doing, but he was using um, Kickstarter money for it. Yeah, and then he bit off way more that he could chew with Red Ash. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, and um, and it's fine because like the only thing that came out of my number nine that was actually half decent was the little spinoff game that Inti Creates made. Um, I forgot what it was called, but it was like a little prequel, old school Mega Man game, and that one was pretty good. And then Inti Creates has just gone on to like do that with everyone now, like they did it for Bloodstained. In fact, they're making the sequel to their Bloodstained spinoff game. It comes out like next week on Switch, and it's like co-op or something now. And they're doing it with like like Gunvolt for them is now a huge thing. They're making the third one of those, so, like. There is a sliver of good that came out of my number nine, but it's not all what Fune angled for or wanted. It was what this other company did with the character. So maybe Ninjala, like they did some good world building. Maybe there's hope that someone can pick it up. Or since it is free to play, that Gung Ho can just over time fix it. It just seems like, like part of me wonders how many people are doing what we did, which is they tried it out with a group of friends. They were kind of puzzled. And then we collectively, the four of us, Angel, we all just got up and went back to uh, Splatoon. Yeah, and I wonder how many people are going to play this and be like, you know, why don't we just play Splatoon and just go back to Splatoon? Like in a twist of kind of bitter irony for uh, Gung Ho, Nintendo's kind of enabling this now because they they are doing their first ever uh, turf war tournament in a couple of weeks on the 18th, and uh, the winning team gets like 2,500 my Nintendo points. So nothing to write home about. Uh, it's basically it's basically the Maximus Cup from Tetris 99, but in Splatoon. But um, yeah, it's kind of cool seeing Nintendo to continue continue those summer game series events it's just kind of funny that like right as ninja is trying to get off the ground and people are like what is this the og of this style of a stack it's just like hey i got some stuff for you and don't worry i run well yeah. so um because yeah honestly like i'm impressed we always kind of make fun of nintendo and their online infrastructure but like i've never had an issue playing splatoon online really like, uh, i know like, me neither we, yeah, when we play every week, it's been smooth. I mean, even when we did the North American Open, which I just realized we haven't actually talked about on the show, boy, did we we didn't do so great. But um, yeah, even that one was pretty smooth. 
that's one way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think we're gonna fare better if, in the turf war this time? I don't think so. Pretty sure we're still gonna. Yeah. Pretty sure we'll still get destroyed. But... I mean, we had it. We, we had it. Do you want to like explain how how much of a handicap we had and how we totally blew it <laughs> in the North American? <laughs> well, I mean, we were they were down a player and they still won. Yeah, in the first. It happens, match. man. It, it happens to me all the time. They're, in, uh, they're just that good. Like it literally didn't league. make a difference. We only progressed to the second round because we got by in the first round, and then we just got slaughtered. It happens. Yeah, yeah. It was a good learning experience of what real pain feels like. You guys will survive. Yeah, now we're going to do Turf War. I personally, Angel, think we're going to do better in Turf War because I <laughs> I always am painting the whole stage, even when the mode doesn't call for it. I accidentally am like, oh, wait, what mode are we playing? And like, so I, I have a roller. I can go paint. Oh, that's I'll why you guys lost. You didn't well, even know what mode he was playing. Well, I mean, to be fair, I've learned over time. But, um, yeah, no, I, I paint it. My go-to is the Turf War. Yeah, but so. that's what everyone starts with. So everyone that's really good is obviously even better at Turf War. Like, just by default. Way to just crush my dreams. I guess it's better <laughs> to have them crushed now than later, huh? If anything, it means it's going to be a harder defeat because this is the one that you think we're going to do better at, but we're somehow... Oh, don't. I'm pretty sure we're going to do worse. Don't do this to me. Don't, don't do this to me, Angel. Well, maybe there's a fighting chance. Let, right? them, let them do it to me. Let, only let thing, the, let the, only uh, thing that would help comment. us would be if they're just that overconfident. and Or we could just hope that they have two players down and they can't make it up. <laughs> maybe they're down three people and it's just 1v4 and then we can just destroy. Hey man, we did that against um, one of our friend's cousins and even when he's by himself he was still a force to be reckoned with, so yeah. I, I will say though, like one nice thing is we you know, we kind of give them a hard time that they don't support certain scenes and maybe in light of recent events, that's for the better. But um, I do have to give Nintendo credit that they have set up a good series of somewhat frequent online events, which are very, like, polite and easy to access, and you don't have to worry about, like, the scene and anything. Because, like, they do the Mario Kart ones, they do Tetris, they now have multiple Splatoon ones, they have the Smash ones, and it may not be the most competitive but it's kind of nice that like there is this option they that exist. Nintendo didn't used to do. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like Nintendo didn't used to do. It so used to be you had to go all the way in, or you just kind of didn't do it at all. And now they have this like half step, which is nice. Yeah, I definitely do prefer but, this yeah. over nothing. So exactly. But Splatoon um, aside, Ninjala aside, unless you had anything else to say about Ninjala. Uh, unfortunately, no. I really wish I did, but that's kind of the game. <laughs> <laughs> just just the way you said that. <laughs> But yeah, um, so that's what we've been playing. Uh, but there is a pretty big free-to-play game on the horizon as well that we should talk about, and that is Pokemon Unite. And really, when talking about Pokemon Unite, there's three discussions that have to happen, which is the game itself, how that announcement was handled and received, and then there's, well, Tencent. The, just Tencent, the elephant in the room. But let's start with the actual game. Uh, the elevator pitch is basically a mobile-friendly MOBA with Pokemon, except they won't call it a MOBA. So what do you guys think of the MOBA that's not a MOBA? Uh, it looked like a MOBA with Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, my gut reaction was, oh, I guess if I was ever going to try one, I guess it would be the Pokemon one. And that's pretty much where it went. <laughs> we yeah, we, we don't really know much th- yet. It's like, you are, are they going to have Weavile? Maybe. I don't know. If they don't, then screw <laughs> this game. Otherwise, yeah. What about Chatot? Will that redeem it? Or does it have to be Weavile because it's a battle game? I don't know, either one would be fine. I mean, there's a good, there's like at least 20 to 30 Pokemon that if they're in, I will go all in. But 
Well, have you have you ever played a MOBA? Either of you? No. Tears of the Storm on PC. So what? I know the very basics of a MOBA. Like I know it's the three lane system, which which this one doesn't have. This is just two paths. And actually, I played two. I played Smite as well. Oh right, and Smite's on Switch now. I think about it. But anyway, what Mm -hmm. what is like? How would you, in a nutshell, sum up a MOBA to someone who isn't familiar with it? Uh, don't play a MOBA. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, don't don't play him. I, honestly, Heroes of the Storm was fine. I I had much more fun with Smite, uh, mainly because of the camera perspective. I I do not like overhead video games that much, with the, with like a couple exceptions. That the, and I don't even know if you could count XCOM as one of those. But they're just they're just not exciting to me. They're they're very. I I do not understand how people can see like the League of Legends championships and fighting that exciting at all. Yeah. So this this isn't going to... I mean, cool. It just... It, it looks like... It doesn't even look like League or, or Dota. It looks more like casualized. Well, obviously, they got to casualize it's it. It's just casualized. It looks so... It looks so simple. Like, I didn't even like the... And, and the most, I guess, basic one that you could probably play is Heroes of the Storm. And I played that. And that was way too basic. So I can't even imagine playing like another more basic one where I'm just gonna be bored half my mind. Uh, yeah. On one it... hand, the fact that it looks basic, first I thought of that as a downside, but then I guess thinking about it more, I'm all like, wait, why should I care how basic it is? I mean, for one thing, if it was like a full fledged MOBA, like as deep as League or any of the others, I definitely would not have time to play it. Especially as I very much am enjoying Final Fantasy XIV that I am going to continue playing beyond the free trial. There is no way I'm going to fit a Pokemon MOBA. So the fact that this simple and something that I could play on my phone, kind of, I'm comparing it more to like, oh, am I going to play this as much as Brawl Stars or Hearthstone, or maybe replace one of those? Like, I'm down for that. Right. And that might be what they're angling for, honestly, because like to. To Kevin's point, this is a simpler-looking game. I mean, I mentioned they only have two lanes, which is already removing a whole element. They're not even calling it MOBA. It's a strategic team-based battle game. But but even then, like, even on the Pokemon side, they're keeping it super casual in the sense of types don't matter. Like, they made a point of saying Pokemon types do not matter. In this game, you're just upgrading oh. specific attacks for specific Pokemon. And it, it seems like the only – and, yeah, that's kind of my reaction too, Kevin. The only direct tie-in to Pokemon seems to be that you will encounter and battle wild Pokemon on the battlefield. For additional points yeah you could catch whatever them, that but, translates but it's not to, that yeah. much different from recruiting monsters on the field that i know some mobiles do right and but my point is like they're just theming it around oh you're catching wild pokemon mm-hmm. but like but yeah like it's really it's really dumbed down not even dumbed down it's not the right word but it's very like i think like for everything good about the game like it is a good way to be like an entry point for someone who's played mobile like i'll probably check it out because i've never really played one and this is like oh you know it's like baby's first moba but this is very clearly a game designed to be an accessible MOBA that they're just slapping Pokemon on top of. Which yeah, absolutely, and I, I have nothing against that. It's just yeah, this same. doesn't this, like other MOBAs weren't for me, and this even less you know, be for me. But more power to everybody that wants to try them. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, like, this isn't new for the franchise. Like, as we saw in the reveal video for um, you know for Unite, like Pokemon slaps itself on all sorts of different things: trading cards, augmented reality apps. But what, what I noticed over the years, like the best Pokemon spinoffs, the best ones that get slapped on, the ones the ones that received uh, best, most well received in terms of gameplay and execution, are the ones that actually like integrate Pokemon. Like, how often do people praise Pokemon Rumble or Poke Park versus, say, 
Pokemon Mystery Dungeon or even Pokemon Ranger where they actually tried to mirror the mechanics or do things yeah, in parallel with what thing. you know from Pokemon. Yeah, so like strictly looking at this as a Pokemon game, I can absolutely see why fans were so disappointed in it. And it it really didn't help that the Pokemon company didn't do themselves any favors here either because like at the end of the day... Yeah, that pre-trailer definitely yeah. made it seem like something bigger was going to appear. But I mean... not. But at the same time, I was also like, "Oh, all right, I guess it's kind of deserve that kind of announcement because it's kind of out there." But yeah, but it's it's almost like I don't even like the pre-trailer. I don't even mind. I'm thinking more like this. At the end of the day, is not much more of a Pokemon spinoff than like the first Pokemon Presents had a couple weeks ago. You know, they had like Smile and Snap, and they definitely could have thrown it in Snap. there. Yeah, exactly. But but uh, presumably because of the marketing potential for China, they drummed this up as something so much bigger by giving it its own presentation a week later. And frankly, when you tease something like that, of course the hype train's going to follow. We have a big new project coming. Oh, what can it be? And then, of course, people started looking for clues. Yeah, like I was hoping saying, for the Johto hints. Pokemon 2, whatever, Pokemon Fighters, Pokemon 2. There you Pokemon. Go. Pokemon, Pokemon 2, <laughs> straight up the sequel to Pokemon. Dude, imagine all of these. Could you imagine if all these were just like po- the, the just sp- invalidated? Yeah. We're announcing yeah. Pokemon to the true evolution <laughs> of Pokemon. Yeah, uh, that would be amazing. I would see. Very that's much like the type to of see a Pokemon too. And that's kind of what they were like angling out. We have a big new project. Like people are like, okay, what well, is it going to be? Like a, a remake of Gen Four? It can't be. That's too soon. Is it going to be Let's Go Johto? No, the first one they said they didn't want to do a sequel. It's got to be something bigger. What's left? And then it was this. <laughs> and, and like when I watched it I definitely had a sense of that's it at what if it was a Pokemon like minutes, a literal but... Pokemon MMO see I would almost be more okay with that because that feels more ingrained in what Pokemon is like, like, that's my I earlier point playing Final Fantasy. Damn it. well you can you can just uh... don't say you can just do both because people I that do two MMOs that literally there are not enough hours don't in the day too... even in quarantine yeah yeah, but no, it's uh, yeah, no, that would have felt more on brand, so to speak. And like, I wasn't even realistically expecting a Let's Go Johto or a Gen Four remake or whatever. But it was just weird that like, there's this 11 minute video and like two of the minutes, right? Like, Here's this game, then the other nine minutes, and I watched these influencers from foreign countries play the game, and that was over. <laughs> and I was like, what? So like, it doesn't surprise. I guess what I'm saying is, it doesn't surprise me that the video went on to become the least liked video on Pokemon's YouTube ever. 150,000 dislikes in 24 Does hours. Does the dislikes outnumber the likes? I don't recall. Well, you're useless to me. But but uh, I could look it up. But the, the thing is, this isn't necessarily a barometer of the overall success, of course, of what the game will – you know, how it will perform. But I think it it does point to a nagging thought in the back of my mind that for all the wacky and weird Pokemon releases, this feels like a money grab kind of. And if you think about it from a business sense, it's super smart of the Pokemon company to do this. Like as a purely marketing move, Pokemon Unite is basically bridging the Pokemon brand into China using a MOBA as the Trojan horse, which is smart. And then here in the West, it can introduce a whole new engaging, addicting gameplay mechanic to Pokemon fans that can then be monetized like crazy. Because it's a huge, huge financial opportunity for a Pokemon company since MOBAs on mobile haven't caught on in the West yet. The studio behind this game... uh, I think they're pronounced Timmy Studios, T- capital T, lowercase i, capital M, lowercase i, Timmy. Let's say little Timmy. Little Timmy. Timmy Studios. Um, previously, they tried to have a MOBA kickoff here, Arena of Valor. It's on Switch, and they tried to integrate DC superheroes into it, right? I don't know if you guys remember that, but it didn't really do the trick. Um, so it feels like they're now taking the learnings of their other massively popular release, Call of Duty Mobile, and starting from the ground up with an established IP known in the West to see if that will be the thing that gets the MOBA money flowing. So 
that makes sense. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like I I know I know at the end of the day, like video games are a business. I get that, but I I and like props to them for making something that should it work is going to be like so much cash for them. And yeah, truthfully, it's probably gonna have. No, and well, my point is, like, it's gonna, I'm sure, have some side benefits for the game world too, in the sense of like, if MOBAs catch on, the esports scene will become, more, you know, this MOBA catch, catches on, bigger esports scene, more accessible, more people drawn in, so that's all cool. But there's just something about Unite in particular that just rubs me the wrong way a little, yeah. and I think, <laughs> I like your little. Uh, I just, I think it's just this recurring pattern in gaming lately that is one company, Tencent. So they're the parent company of Timmy Studios or Tamai or however you say it. They're the ones that the Pokemon company is specifically teaming up with for Unite. And it just feels like, to me at least, they're sort of reshaping the industry. Like they have their hands in everything now. And sometimes it works. Like, you know, they're helping bring the Switch to China. Okay. But they also seem to be trying to, like, buy their way into a power position in the industry. And frankly, like, tinfoil hats on, like, when a company that closely associated with the Chinese government's doing something like that, you gotta kind of wonder why, like, to what end. But even if you ignore that, like, think about just everything they own. They own the entirety of Riot Games, which means they own all of League of Legends. They own 40% of Epic Games, meaning they own 40% of the Epic Game Store and 40% of Fortnite. They own 84% of Supercell, who has these super popular Clash of Clans on mobile. They own 5% of Activision. Yeah. They own 84% of that. They own 5% of Activision. 5% 5% of Ubisoft. They just bought 20% of Marvelous, the studio behind games like uh, Story of Seasons and Grand Blue and all those. And they have a capital investment Ooh. in Platinum Games, which was an independent studio until about a month ago. And it's not like any of these things are like intrinsically bad. You know, tin ho- tinfoil hat about what the Chinese yeah, government is doing They sure really aside. care about creating good entertainment for us. Before. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Because besides just buying How these companies to get their I, I, I love this tinfoil <laughs> Well, hold on. Just wait. You know what they're doing with uh, Pokemon Unite? They're going to be doing it with Street Fighter. They're going to be doing it with Dynasty Warriors. They're going to be doing it with Metal Slug. They're going to be doing it with Contra. They're doing it with something with Square Dude, Enix. They're the heroes we going need. Going. They sound amazing. Are they? Are they? <laughs> they're giving me things I never like, knew I wanted. I love Metal Slug and Street I mean, Fighter. they I, – I know you're just devil's advocate, but I'm saying like they actively – publicly talk about how they want to harness other IPs from other companies in order to make themselves a global brand. How basically they want to turn everyone else's IPs into some sort of free-to-play monetization scheme, probably. Like, there's a Bloomberg article from a couple months ago that says, and I quote, Tencent has long regarded Japanese entertainment exports as an area ripe for optimization, where bare distribution and marketing strategies can generate vastly greater revenue. And then there was a Wall Street Journal thing last year. They were talking about how they want to use Nintendo characters in their own games. They probably know a way to make things better to generate more revenue. Well, better for... (laughs) And and tell me more about their KPIs, Angel, please. I mean, if people (laughs) are enjoying um, their products, they will want to give them more money. So let's let them make good products. I I guess my point is, like, they're not making their products. They're going and taking other people's IPs and transforming those into their products. Like, they said that in the Wall Street Journal last year that they want to use Nintendo characters in their own games to make themselves a bigger brand in the West. Like, they want to fill up CDI it, essentially. And the whole thing just feels so, like cash grabby like i know gaming is a business and everyone's in it for profits but to see a company outright say like give us your ip we'll squeeze all the money out of it for you just feels uh, i don't know like there's no mention of quality there's no mention of like what like the games there's no 
it's just we want to make all the monies and we're going to buy and license all the IPs to do it. And if you don't like it, well, we bought you anyway. They don't so have to happening. mention the quality. Like a one picture, like yeah, a picture speaks a thousand words. You saw the gameplay trailer for Pokemon Unite; it speaks for itself. <laughs> <laughs> you, well, <laughs> you, you saw those models and, that... and those animations and all of that. I mean, why, why would they need to bring up the quality? You saw it yourself. But what? <laughs> but what happens when they they have? You know, they what they're doing now remains limited to like spinoffs and mobile games, right? Like Unite. But what happens if they keep investing in these companies? What happens when they tell Marvelous, "Hey, your next story of seasons needs to be a microtransaction Palooza," or like Platinum when you guys make uh, Killer Eight or something, even though they don't have the rights to that? Um, you're gonna have each of those eight characters. You have to buy them separately. Well, it for sounds like your examples are more unbelievable than what you claim they're doing. <laughs> okay, okay. But anyway, I'm just saying it's a slippery slope. That's all I'm saying. It's a little weird to have one company basically take over the entire industry like this, but we'll see what happens. I mean, Disney hasn't gone too crazy, have they? Well, how many copies? <laughs> how many copies of movies have you rebought? <laughs> rebought none, but I was just complaining about how many versions of the same one there are that I keep missing, so that it didn't mess yeah, the spine. There's that. Likewise, but, um, how much does it cost to go to Disneyland? I don't know. I'm guessing it keeps going up. Well, yeah, right now they're closed, but yes, yes. Um, it's I, I priceless because you can't right now? Ah, good save. Okay, and um, how little do they pay the cast members at Disneyland? So, um, you know, enough so that they still have they to live. Well. Enough so that they still have to live in their car in the parking lot, apparently. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, they don't pay them that great. Um, Never mind what it said. <laughs> yeah, so it's I yeah I know you're kind of being facetious, Andrew, but yeah, it's just kind of a weird concern that like I it, did you ever think there'd be a time where just like every IP would essentially be under one umbrella because we're no I know obviously it's super we weird. wouldn't obviously that is never good it should never be yeah. under one umbrella because then you're gonna get a lot of dilution which this Pokemon Unite game does kind of feel like a mm-hmm. soulless Pokemon game I might still find some enjoyment in it simply by seeing a Weavile. But it'd probably be more. <laughs> but I feel like my brain is going to be putting in more of the work on making me enjoy it than the game itself. Yeah, but, and that's yeah. that's kind of what the concern is. Is like I'm not going to judge it 100 percent yet until it actually comes out. But I yeah, think we all know yeah, that's no, what but, the case is. Yeah, and in general, it's just a little concerning. That, like all these classic franchises, and it, again, for now, it doesn't mean that the main games are changing. But if Tencent owns, you know, 80% of a company, what's to stop them, or 40% of Epic, what's to stop them from leaning on and be like, you need to monetize uh, I mean, Fortnite Do you think more? it's possible that they could, in fact, buy part of Nintendo? Yes, I do. I'm trying to remember that. Let me see if I can find the number. They invested in Nintendo recently, actually. Oh. Yeah. And, and not a lot, not like a controlling stake or anything, but they definitely invested a little in Nintendo because they, uh, in part because they're a partner of Nintendo. Um but yeah, I want to say it was like 5%, 10%. Oh, because 10 cents, so they put 10%? That makes sense. Oh, uh, yeah, that's very clever of them. How long until this becomes the Toonie Tencent podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, if they were to reach out and pay us, then... Tencent I mean, owns Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. Man. So I take it back, they might not have invested in Nintendo yet. I think they were looking to do it. Um yeah, I'll I'll find it after we record because it's gonna take a while to find. But yeah, I thought I thought they were considering it at the very least. But the the the, uh, the kind of ironic thing is it may actually end up being Nintendo we take refuge in, the same Nintendo who's gone full microtransaction like mania on mobile. Um, 
according to a new Bloomberg report, they may actually be backing off their mobile plans a bit. It so, seems which that way. It, yeah, like you may recall, at least on the first like party G- stuff, not the Pokemon stuff, since that's obviously. Oh different. yeah, well, Pokemon's its own, exactly. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, you may recall. What No, sorry, but I mean, have they released anything after Doctor Mario, Mario World? Oh, wait, Mario Kart. Oh, Mario Kart was after that. Yeah, but they haven't done anything since. Yeah, and it's that one's kind of just like, spinning its wheels. But yeah. Hey, that was good. But no, it's funny because um, like two years ago when Shuntaru Furukawa, their current president, Swim came on. Like, Rosalina, make... really? Oh yeah, but we're gonna make. Uh, <laughs> I said. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on. What? Um, the newest character that I didn't mean to say. Oh yeah, like that. Are all right later. <laughs> it's, it's not but, really a swimsuit. Uh, it's more like a like a towel, like a towel with a. a that neck. sounds worse. Brace? She's only wearing a towel, really. You're That's, only making this better for that. <laughs> but anyway, it's like a weird um, beach dress or something. All right, well, Kevin. GG's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was going to say that like two years ago when Furukawa became president, he was talking about how they're going to make a billion-dollar pillar out of mobile. And, you know, things like this new outfit is certainly going to uh, certainly drive some attention, like Kevin's. Um, but if you fast-forward now, two years later, like Pocket Camp didn't take off as they had hoped. Tor has its fans, but a lot of folks don't like it. Uh, I think the most telling, though, is when Furukawa himself back in May, he shifted his tone about mobile uh, being from being the next big thing to – to Nintendo now saying, we're not necessarily looking to continue releasing many new applications for the mobile market. So, okay. I guess that's the end of that. Um, which but, I don't think I is mean, like a real loss, right? making apps that supplement the games. Kind of like how they started to with the, I guess, mandatory Nintendo online app if you want to chat with people, which we obviously well, don't Well, you know use. what's funny? Just like make those their own app. Like Animal Crossing has so much potential for an actual useful app. But, you know, they don't like to do any quality of life. So even the Smash Brothers app, like, I literally thought, like, oh, man, I saw these really awesome stages online. I'm just going to download them on my phone. But it's like, nope, you can't search for them that way. You have to just scroll through the thing and just hope that they appear. It's it's horrible. What's funny is you're not too far off from what Bloomberg is reporting they're looking at doing. So apparently, like, one of the most interesting... No, 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 not either. So one of the most interesting tidbits in the article is that they want to support and release mobile games and apps, but not as moves to expose their IP to new players. Now they want to do the opposite. They want to expand IPs that are established elsewhere into mobile so people that are already playing on other things or already at the theme park or whatever can now like be like, oh, I'm going to go do this other thing too. Like the example they gave in the article was how Square Enix has Dragon Quest Walk, which is kind of uh, – riff on um pokemon go but it, it, it's not like what nintendo was doing with mario kart tour and with animal crossing at least to me is it felt like they basically like so originally i feel like they started treating the iphone like its own platform like a set like a standard platform it's like mario run came out right and that's probably their strongest release i'd argue and um it certainly felt the most nintendo of the bunch because they had a game that was designed for that interface specifically they reimagined mario in a way that still felt like mario but distinguish itself from other entries using the interface to do so through like, you know, the auto running and the one touch you could play with one hand, that sort of thing. And you bought it and you played it and there are no subscriptions, no microtransactions, just a full product and you did it. And then they did like Fire Emblem Heroes, which is, you know, a bit more has the gotcha system. It has, uh, it had, but the gameplay still feels like it fits. It makes sense on a phone. Then they started doing like Animal Crossing and Mario Kart Tour. And those felt like, to me at least, each, like each of those subsequent releases, but more and more like Nintendo was conforming its gameplay to monetization schemes and limitations of a platform. The new ideas inspired by the platform, like Mario Run was. You know what I mean? 
So what's interesting to go back to what I started to say is Bloomberg is saying they want to do what Square Enix is doing, which is not like Pokemon, uh, Pokemon Dragon Quest Walk, which it's not a diet Dragon Quest. It's not like Baby's First Dragon Quest. It's certainly not normal Dragon Quest, but forced onto a phone. It is a self-contained experience that leverages their known IP, known from elsewhere, but in a way that makes sense on a phone. To me, that's what Mario Run was, but something that Mario Kart Tour was not. So apparently Nintendo wants to go that direction now, and they do want to take things you play in one place and expand them onto the phone, which makes your quality of life apps fit right in with that strategy. Because right, we're already seeing Nintendo do it a little, very little. Just the other week, um, Fire Emblem Heroes, they announced that if you own Fire Emblem Three Houses and your My Nintendo account has it, you know, you're associated both with the app and the game, you will get a buy list in Fire Emblem Heroes, a five-star buy list for free. Wow. So they're already starting to – it's very minor, I know, but they're slowly <laughs> the, moving in the thought, direction. Yeah, not that bad. Considering, no, yeah, the idea, but you know, and they're moving in the direction of like people that know their properties elsewhere. How do you get them engaged with mobile? I mean, the silly example I was thinking of as well was Doctor Baby Mario in Mario in Doctor Mario World. I mean, not Mario Wario. Sorry, Doctor Baby Wario. He, you know, last week they just out of the blue were like, "Look, it's Doctor Baby Wario," and he was trending on Twitter for a mix. And it's like Baby Wario, but like that's a deep cut for fans. What he was from? Which Yoshi's Island DS was it? Yeah, Angel? DS. Yeah, so I feel like like that's almost more of a nod to. I actually don't think I ever played the DS one. How really? I might have. I don't remember. I mean, it's definitely good. I mean, love the variety with like Baby DK, Baby Peach, Baby well, all the other babies. But I didn't play Yoshi's New Island. That's where I was like, yeah, this is too derivative. At least this one, try something. I don't know. It's like it, it built upon it. Without feeling like it was the exact same game, except now it has giant eggs. This one actually right. felt like they actually, and, and also these both screens pretty cool. You had like some boss battles that span both screens. I think even Bowser's was like that. So was Doctor Wario one or Doctor? Was Baby Wario one of the playable babies? Yeah, you so you, you ride, He rides on your back and he carries a magnet, so you're able to, you know, like magnetize yourself to the ceiling or other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, they they kept that even in Doctor Mario. He's still holding the magnet. Um, but what I thought was kind of interesting is like they they have been really scraping the bottom of the barrel for characters in these games i mean like we were just talking about what mario kart tour has right but like in in dr mario world they had a dolphin before they had baby wario a dolphin like the random generic dolphin with the goggles from like yeah i almost mario spat games. up my coffee when i saw that <laughs> and and like i don't drink coffee but n- i would have yeah i gotta say i don't remember you ever drinking coffee but uh but the so, like, that was, like, okay, they're originally Bob Mara, but now they're doing these kind of, like, deep cuts where, like, here's weird baby Wario with his weird eye veins that he needs to, like, grow into. Like, they're away from his eyes, which don't make sense because, like, the veins on your eye. Anyway, here he is. Um, fans that know him, here's a chance. Here's where you can now check him out for the first time in, like, 15 years. So if they start doing more like that where it's almost the other direction, I think that might be kind of what you're describing and where they could possibly be taking mobile next based on what Bloomberg's saying. And then that opens the door for all the quality of life apps you're talking about, because at that point it's a logical use of their resources. I mean, well, up to this point, I mean, even know, the DSi and opposite. 3DS had like random little nice apps that could have existed on a phone. Like there was the Mario calculator, the Animal Crossing calculator, the Mario alarm clock. Those, right. those are fun. I still like them. Yeah, I still have the, the Animal uh, Crossing one installed. On hey, you got 3DS. Jump Rope Challenge? You have a Jump Rope app on your Switch? They just added Nintendo costumes to it the other day. Doesn't that count as an app of sorts? <laughs> I guess. But I'm specifically I mean, topping really, mobile, and yeah. that was... Yeah. 
yeah it's unfair to criticize it because it was free but yeah yeah but <laughs> and i think um <laughs> that's very kind of you but yeah i mean we'll see where this goes next but i think nintendo like it sounds like nintendo's still planning to support mobile it's just um you know just the other day they had a shareholder meeting and furukawa was uh saying Livid. how nintendo had <laughs> Yeah, he was livid that they didn't make their billion. No, but he was saying that you know they still have their ongoing DNA partnership, so it's not like they're bre- they're pumping the brakes entirely on this. But it is nice to see that Nintendo, especially in light of the Tencent takeovers, may be valuing experiences over microtransactions again, at least on the mobile scene, and at least at some level. So there's no new announced mobile games coming down the pipe. They say they're not releasing any anytime soon. Bloomberg says probably not this year at all. So it does seem like they're taking a minute to regroup, and hopefully that means your quality of life apps for things like Smash. Hopefully. Maybe. Speaking of which, this seems about right. We're about halfway through yet. We're at what's usually our halfway mark, and we're switching from freemium, from free to premium. So uh, why don't we talk Smash? Uh, Smash Bros. 8.0 update came out last week. Min Min and all her arms-related DLC was part of it. Angel, Resident Smash Man, what do you think of her? Damn, it's crazy how many characters got buffed this time around. Almost to the point that, like, it's just like a resurgence. Like, a lot of characters went from being considered not so great to now being, you know, kind of up there with the upper tiers. Like, you know, you got your Incineroars, Ix, Bayonettas, Falcos, Mewtwo's, just goes on. Like, I don't know, I guess they're really listening, or is this because it's been six months since the last update that we had this big of a shakeup in the actual gameplay but is it like notable differences um some of them not so much others yes it's kind of it's pretty noticeable but you know it's always great it was just nice seeing that barely anyone got nerfed even i mean people always beg for nerfs anytime anything is annoying um i just i'll say stuff is annoying but i don't really beg for it to get nerfed you just have to adapt to it I definitely prefer that they just buff everybody else because then, you know, like, if you nerf something, at the end of the day, someone, as hard as it is to believe, has fun playing that way. Has fun playing in a way that you would consider can be degenerate or, you know, just not fun. But <laughs> it's a term that wow. actually. Are you taking are you are you, are you taking shots at how I play as Tomb Link, which is like not no well. <laughs> that, no like when, when I would say degenerate, it means that you you're able to get away with not doing any of the actual work to fight, and you're still profiting it. You're still winning. So when I still uh, steal kills, no, because you're still losing in those cases. It, it, it's different, and that's also like free for alls. It's like a different beast. Okay, okay, onward. It'd be more like, <laughs> I mean, like for example, like that isn't truly applicable, but it'd be like if Piranha Plant literally just had to keep mashing B and do nothing else, and they could still win the whole game like that. Oh, I see. So it's when it's when the game enables some sort of yeah, cheap. exactly. Yeah. yeah, like they don't have to work gotcha. for it. They don't have to even like try or do anything. They just have to do that thing. I'd rather, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah, like, even if that exists, like I'd rather everyone just get buffed because then it, a, a game is more fun when everyone is usable. And this is the most. I've bad never it. been a fan of the you should buff everything. Really? Huh. Uh, well, doesn't that, yeah. doesn't everything get coming buffed from just... like a player who plays who well used to play a lot of Destiny? Uh, guns constantly would get nerfed in that game and on the subreddit the the main thing that everybody would say is like why would you ban this gun why don't you just make everything good and my my rationale behind that is like well if you make everything good it's going to take like one second to kill everything to kill everybody 
Like, you're going to hit a point to where everything is so good that the game just becomes not fun. To the point where, to the point where you're just going to be, be knocking people out constantly That's at a true, much quicker pace. But that was going to be my question, I, I, I mean, Angel, I, I, is I will... if they keep elevating... Well, I mean, it's not, it's not even that they're. That I mean, it's not even that they keep elevating. Like all they've really done, like the characters that got buffed are the characters that rarely got used because they were considered so terrible. Mm. Like now they're just right. like, like all these buffs that we've been getting have literally just been elevating characters to, kind of put them in that same kind of vague like midfield where no one really knows if they're better or worse anymore than any other character, which is a, I feel like a good place to put them, because it just comes down to how people use them. Like you could have. People will say, oh, King K. Rool is still not that great of a character, even though he also got buffed a lot this round. But there are plenty of players who will still dominate with him. And, so and, and, and it's a nice, and I feel like that's the nice spot to be where, you know, like anyone could be good with any character if they put in the time to actually learn them. It just comes down to the type of character it is and the type of player. So what happens, though, when they raise the low to the mid and then everyone on the mid is now the low and they're still the high? Like well, who, the mid is still the raising mid. the mids to the high, no, but the mid's now the low because there's no more low because they're all mid. So does the mid become the low, and then they have to start raising people to a new mid? Like is it slowly, incrementally climbing up? They would, everyone's. I still, mean, they probably just stop right there. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, we're kind of in uncharted territory. I mean, Nintendo, like literally in the last Smash Brothers. I mean, if they were patching since Brawl, like undeniably, like the meta was ruled by Meta Knight. Like, Meta Knight was just so good of a character that if you didn't pick Meta Knight, you may as well not have even entered the tournament. Like he was, The Knight of the Meta. Yeah, it, it's almost kind of funny that he was named that. Or that, that it's just, yeah. just, it just happened to be his name. And then Smash 4 had, like, Bayonetta, like, pretty much doing the exact same thing. Bayonetta? Sure. Sorry. I'm, I uh, should just leave. Yeah, that one was worse. <laughs> that was horrible. But, yeah. I mean, on top of that, like... They also just, uh, anytime any character won a major, like an Evo or something, that character pretty much got nerfed and just became, sometimes they nerfed them a little too hard and you just wouldn't see them ever again. But, I don't know, nerfing and buffing is definitely a tricky category. I think the only reason more people are okay with it right now in Smash Brothers is just because they're literally making characters that had, like, glaring bad weaknesses that made them almost unplayable at times. Now, you know, like, they can actually compete with all the other basic characters. Because there was a lot of, like, why would you use Incineroar if you could just use this? But it's like, but I would like Incineroar. I want to use him. But you're still going to kick your butt kicked. And now, you know, they have a better chance. Right. But, so so here's, a, here's a question then. Or actually, what are you going to say? You might, I think you might answer it in a sec. Oh, no, go for it. I was going to say, so if I said, hey, how's Midman? And you led with everyone got buffed. I'm guessing you're not that impressed with Midman. Uh, I mean... I will say that it's uh, it's amazing how much he feels like I'm playing arms. Like they did an excellent job of just like adapting how she plays in her game in Smash Brothers, which I think you know where what I'm going with this. Because mm-hmm. the reason I don't really play that arms that much is because after a few games, I get really bored because it just feels like I'm mm-hmm. doing the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. As deep as the game can be, like it just doesn't give me that same kind of gratifying feel. Like, in Smash Brothers, like, there's four, there's, like, eight different, technically, there's, like, eight different moves you could do. There's, like, you know, they're neutral, forward, up, down, and then there's, like, different variations, varying strengths of it when you tilt it or smash it. Like, Min Min does have all of that, but they all, at the end of the day, end up just 
come down they, they just come down to you shooting something out and waiting for it to come back and there's only so many times you could do that before to me at least it just gets stale it's really fun in the beginning yeah. but it gets old really quickly for me also and it takes a long time i mean i i jokingly say this on twitter but it's also kind of true like I can shoot her arms and then be like, oh, that wasn't the right move. Oh, why would I do that? Oh, I shouldn't have done that. And they're still not back, and I have that whole train of thought. I mean, I w- <laughs> like, they take so long to go and come back that, like, I'm just like... Uh. <laughs> I, mean, I will say that, like, compared to her, like, this is definitely the best arms game there's ever been in Smash Brothers. <laughs> like, I, I definitely have more fun with Min Min and arms than I do with any of the arms characters in arms. Just- you mean Min Min and Smash? Min Min and Smash, yeah. Um, I almost choked on my wire when you said that before. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like, I have a lot of fun with her just because she actually has, like, other mobility, you know, things she can do. She can actually kick and do up tilts and other things. But, and, you know, changing the arm mid-game is something you can't do in arms. It's something you do in between rounds. But at the end of the day, like, Mimin's game plan is just to, like, stay away from you and attack you from afar. Has a few answers for if you're up close. And... Yeah, she's really fun to use for, like, two games, but then after that, I'm, like, immediately just, like, yeah, I'm kind of over it already. Luckily, um, she isn't as annoying to fight as I thought she was going to be. She can be tough if your opponent is actually really tough, but, like, just knowing her weaknesses and just using her a good amount, like, I want to get her to elite. Um, she is not as overwhelming, I feel, as playing someone, like, Simon and Richter that can just like make the whole screen rain with projectiles like because if you know where she's going to attack or if you're lucky enough to read it like she is vulnerable a lot of the time as Jason said that he has like enough time to like rethink his life um yeah and and only that like I mean the only thing like the only thing about Minmin is that if she gets you off stage you're essentially dead there's like almost it's almost impossible to come back unless you can recover extremely high which only very few characters can do but on the other hand, I feel like she has way more trouble recovering than even Little Mac does. Because at least Little Mac has his side B that could move him horizontally, and he could kind of mix it up when he uses that, even if he uses it first or his double jump. Min Min literally just has a double jump, and that's it. Like, any of her attacks, like, it's easier to just block her. You just have to, like, tap her when she's off stage and she dies. So... Yeah, very, very... That that leads so very, so, me to Mike. Sorry, so, 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 very interesting character. Just an interesting character. I am happy they're there. I mean, obviously, just like... The parallels to the arms game are ridiculous. Just the fact that... Like, I am more excited about the fact that her music from arms is in the game and the stage than... It's so good. Than the, the character itself. It's, like, no different than before. It's, like, everything but the actual way the character plays... The way the character plays is the least interesting part about the DLC. Pip Boy, I or agree. Pip Boy or Vault Boy being in this DLC is crazier. Which is, I feel like I feel like I've said that before that like they are doing more with the me costumes. That's more interesting. I and mean, if the last with the DLC. I mean, if the last three characters <laughs> were instead the me that were revealed with instead, I mean, it'd be nuts. Yeah, like I mean, people would make a way bigger deal about like Vault Boy getting a smash. Like, what the heck? And then before that, it mm-hmm. was Cuphead. And before that, it was mm-hmm. Sans. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, Cuphead came with what character? Byleth? Yes. And Sans came with who? With Terry? Terry, I think. I... No, no, no. Sans. I think Sans was the same time as... Was Sans with Banjo? No. no. It was the last three. 
Only the last three have Right, then yeah, Terry. Then Terry. Yeah. I would honestly prefer the three DLC costumes over the last three characters. But I, by the way, agree that the music is awesome. I think the, the arms theme remix is like like I know they're always like everyone is here with Smash Bros, but like literally like every possible sound you can think of is in that remix. Mm-hmm. They have whistles, they have they have like a string section, they have chants, they have a brass section, they have a guitar solo, like it's it's everything. Yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, my uh, what I was gonna say is when you're saying that like you're kind of making the comparison to um, Lil Mac, and I was gonna say my hot casual take is Min Min and her DLC is just Lil Mac but long. Like she has the same punches, they're just really long. She has kind of a similar up trajectory, but they're just longer. Her stage, even you still bounce off springs on the side, just the springs themselves are physically longer. It's just like it feels like just like stretched Lil Mac kind of from the surface level. I don't know the meta very well perspective, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it isn't as exciting yeah. per se. I still think it's an upgrade from like Byleth, the fun thing that, which was just another sword fighter. Yeah, but no, yeah. It, overall, um, great character to put in Smash. Um, not my cup of tea. Uh, hopefully, it is other people's. But that also means that I get to play online now and coincidentally yeah because i was on a three months hiatus from playing smash online specifically ranked because you know it's too easy to just play that for hours and not actually do other stuff but you know i happened to be looking at your switch profile yesterday did you know you put 560 hours 560 hours into smash Bros. a little bit no okay yeah (laughs) oh yeah there's accounts that have like thousands of hours in there already for smash and others but anyway yeah, I guess being able to play online um, kind of coincided with an announcement that Melee got rolled back netcode. So I don't know how many of you guys know what this means, but rollback netcode is essentially the way the connection works. It's not using like a host system like the way Nintendo does or some like offshore server. It's I'm not 100% sure how it works, but it's always described as like the best possible way that you could do a fighting game. Like most pros and people will tell you that it almost feels like you're playing in person like when you're playing against someone so, using rollback netcode and the fact that f- when you say melee do you mean melee because that did not have online did they build did they mod in online? yeah so fans modded in me- super smash bros melee from the gamecube to have online and they apparently it took what? them like seven months to do it but they were managed to like hook it up with rollback netcode which is amazing. Like, this game that, like, was pretty much ready to die now that, like, COVID was on the rise and people can't go to tournaments anymore, like, suddenly has online that is so good, it's comparable to being in person. And now it even has a better online than the newest Smash Brothers, which, you know, like, we're paying money to play online. And I still feel like what we're getting for what we're paying is not as great as what we've been getting for free with the Wii U. I mean, even, like, when we had to buy our NES and Super Nintendo and other stuff, we still didn't have as many... I mean, we, we had way more than what we have now. But the point is, getting back to Melee, like, I don't know, just the fact that this is on Melee kind of gives me hope, or at least it kind of tells me that it's definitely possible for them to do that with Smash Ultimate, as they should right now more than ever. But are they? Probably not. I mean... Well, they being Nintendo or they being these people, these modders? No, I mean, it would have to be Nintendo. They can only mess with that because it's already like an old, out of right. game. 
They're so to that point. Nintendo did address this recently, actually. Oh, sort of, kind of. Um, in that shareholder meeting that I mentioned the other day, or the other day that happened the other day that I mentioned a little earlier, uh, Furukawa was saying that. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna read the quote because it's just it's a translation. Furukawa says that when major releases hit retailers, Nintendo's online servers become overloaded and customers end up getting online delays or connection issues. Furukawa says that Nintendo is constantly updating their server forecast to try and combat this, and they're taking the technical hiccups very seriously. So don't worry, Angel. If it's a new release, they'll do it. But, like, if it's, you know, a year old, like, Smash, maybe not. Yeah, probably not. And even if they (laughs) did, it still wouldn't address the other issues that like smash has like the fact that you can't change characters between matches when you're connected to only one person and yet in mario kart deluxe you can change carts vehicle combinations whatever you want in between each race when connected with 11 other people like how why is that even a thing and not yeah, to mention that the it's... people that created this rollback netcode for melee they even have a lobby system where when you're connected with someone you can change characters mid-game and you could even like play some other, you could just like practice while it searches for a connection with like with someone else, and yeah, like Smash can't even do that. I mean, Smash Ultimate, it's uh, I don't know. Wait, Smash does that if you're waiting for a match to begin? Oh no 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 no! no, 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 no just the fact that you can't change in between stuff. Like oh, sure, just the fact sure. it's so limiting. The yep. fact that we have to hope that it picks our preferred rule set instead of giving us just a set rule set to play as. <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah. Like, as, like yeah. as high as my GSP is, whatever it is right now, um, unless I checked, um, I will still randomly have to fight someone that put, like, one minute, one life. It's like, what the heck? Like, that is not how you play online. I mean, there is, and that's the terrible thing. I mean, like, we, there is, like, kind of a universally accepted rule set, which, at least for Ultimate, it's basically three minutes. No, three stocks, seven minutes. But mm-hmm. you'll still get people that will put, like I said, like one minute, one stock, or Why seven two minutes. That's such uh, an arbitrary number. Um, yeah, what's the backstory of that? Usually, you give it like two minutes per stock, and then add another and add an extra minute. So that's usually the average time. I don't hmm. know how no. they came to that, but in practice, I feel like that amount of time has been pretty good. It never feels like that much time, and it never feels like too short of a time. Because you definitely feel it. Like, when it's, like, three minutes... I mean, three stocks, six minutes, it really feels like you have to hustle. And... But three stocks, seven minutes, I don't know. It's It just feels like a nice sweet spot. But, yeah. I mean, it's just annoying that... You know, you know what? Honestly, to your point, I'm shocked I mean, that they didn't... People... So, every DLC update with the firmware update, they've announced something new. They didn't this time. 8.0 didn't have any actual, like, functionality changes. Like, they spent... They were so short on stuff in 8.0 that the presentation that Sakurai did, like instead of – well, one, Min Min doesn't have enough to talk about on her own. And then two, they didn't have other announcements. So they spent the last like five or ten minutes of their presentation – not – I'm exaggerating, but being like, hey, here's how to unlock some very specific spirits. I mean they did it. It's I, like, I mean okay. they did say in the last <laughs> presentation that they weren't going to do any more updates to the game. But like quality of life stuff, I figured would still uh, I, I, be fair game. They're, st- they're selling DLC for another I mean, year. Outside this of... like a retired game. I mean, outside of updating, like, you know, just patching people up and down, I, I don't think they're going to do anything. Because anything else... That's, but I'm just saying that's ridiculous. I know, that's yeah. Like, it maybe, is. Like, any other quality yeah. of life, I think, would be too big for them. Like, you know, adding costumes for other characters besides just me's or... Yeah. Or, or just I fixing think, a lot of I that, like, 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 user interface stuff. I mean, 
why can it be so why is it so hard to just do what every other game does and just like if you're playing ranked you know just first of all get rid of that gsp just give us a normal ranking system like you know have it be multi-tiered or whatever yeah that one's never happening i don't like even like <laughs> uh, yeah whatever even like at least even mario karts makes more sense and that one is like still a weird number system and make people have to do like a 2v3 if they're playing like online like that's what every other game does they always make you do a two versus three that is the most fair and traditional way of doing any kind of competitive game at least that way like i mean if you lose the first round they give you a chance to hopefully learn from your mistake Mm -hmm. and come back from it and it happens plenty of times I'm still fixated on your point about just being able to change characters because, like, they I spent know. The well, that, time. that is so horrible that, like, uh, no, no, no. I'm I'm saying they spent the time in the in the presentation that Sakurai did from his house, which was very nice and all. But they spent time to go hunt down the original voice actor for Captain Falcon. Because fun fact, they have not used any new recordings of Captain Falcon's voice since the N64. They kept using extra takes they had for extra dialogue as they introduced new things yeah, to the character. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I know he definitely sounded different, but, but I guess they didn't. Yeah, so they went and got him for the ramen vignette they did to introduce Min Min, which was great. But, like, maybe some of those resources where they went to go hunt down Captain Falcon's guy and get him to record in the booth again, like, maybe they could have just, like, built an option to go back and change your fighter. I don't know. I realize they're not comparable, but my point is, like, something as insignificant as Captain Falcon, while it's great they did that, and I love Sakurai's commitment to those things, versus, like, having to completely leave a lobby just to switch yeah, fighters. I mean, other... Nintendo-made game doesn't do that. It just seems weird. I mean, priorities... <laughs> I, f- I mean, as much as I love the game, like, or Smash Bros. series in general, I mean, they've definitely always struggled with the online. I mean, offline, I mean, it's pretty much near perfect. Um, right. But, I mean, we're in a world where online is just too important now, and now so more than ever. I mean, if they, right. at the very least in the next game, they're going to have to... They they have to get it right, and yeah, they they have. Yeah. Maybe that's the theme of the next one. Remember, we hopefully the next one, about, like, like obviously next... since it's not going to be an ultimate, like yeah, if they're gonna you know scale back the roster, I really hope they just like you know give um all the classic people the love and attention that the new DLC people have been getting in their moveset. Because as much as I, you know, not have as much fun with Min Min, I do love the fact that it feels like Jade's actually coming from her game. I feel like they could obviously do, like, just rework Mario the way all these DLC characters have been getting reworked, or all these newer characters. Because mm-hmm. they all mm-hmm. feel, they definitely feel like old, like, from the old world or from the old game. Like, they just feel. <laughs> from the old world. <laughs> from from they, Eastern Yeah, they Europe. just feel, they, they, they feel like they've, like, out of touch. Like, especially Bowser. Like, as much as I love Bowser, he just feels like a completely, like, misguided look at what Bowser is. It looks like someone's like, oh, he's a big monster dragon. Let's just make him. Make dragon-sounding oh, noises mean, and do, like, basic claw swipes. Or even Mario, like, just... 2001 Bowser basically was that, to be fair. Yeah. They didn't really start doing... No, no, yeah. 2001 Bowser was fine. Yeah. That's kind of how he was. But then they mm-hmm. had a chance in Brawl. Like, no, let's keep it the same. They had a chance in Wii U. Nope, keep him the same. They have a chance in Ultimate. Oh, let's just make him stand up straight. All right. But yeah. they still make him, you know... This weird monster I think, thing. I think Ultimate was Mar- not the opportunity for them to do that. I think the next game, you're right, is going to be. They the had Ultimate's all about everything up to this point, so they couldn't really change him. Yeah, like it goes against the mission. No, no yeah, but I mean, yeah. but at this point, like especially, it just feels like we're playing with the same characters that we've been playing with since at least Brawl. Some characters, even like from the yeah. beginning, like Captain Falcon, quite literally, literally yeah. hasn't changed except for like the one move he got in like melee. 
But mm-hmm. but I, do, I was gonna say I do think to your point maybe the next Smash Bros. Because you know we were talking about I don't know how long ago how many episodes ago we had the idea of like what well, if it's a three D fighter and we were like kind of half serious what if it's just like a good online game what if they just call it like Super Smash Brothers online or something and it's just like that sounds like an, an MMO <laughs> with like boss Smash it does actually it does yeah you're right <laughs> Super Smash Brothers fourteen online but uh, yeah I don't know or like something where they just emphasize the net play especially in the current world right? I mean, who knows how long this idea is gonna last that'd be great so, i mean so. if nintendo in general just acknowledged net play more i mean mario party would be a, an amazing candidate for that but you know yeah well they're too busy with clubhouse games so you know uh but i i will say nintendo does eventually listen it takes some years they get there they just acknowledged joy con drift the other day so officially from their president didn't from they Furukawa. already because they've been taking they control put of out state so they have been low-key replacing controllers, but there is a uh, class-action lawsuit against them basically saying you're not doing enough. And in Europe, some of the branches weren't even taking in the controllers. They're saying we're not dealing with this. And then in that shareholder meeting, the same one I keep dropping, uh, Furukawa said he apologizes for the trouble caused to our customers. So there you go. They're actually like full on admitting it. He he says they can't talk about what they're doing as the next step because uh, they're in a class action lawsuit. But uh, yeah, be full on as President Nintendo said. Yep, this is a thing, and yep, they're probably going to lose the lawsuit, huh? I don't know. What do you think, Jason? I'm asking you. I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. I'm asking you what um, you I think. Just, what I think is they're going to settle. That's what I think. I don't think they're going to want to lose, but they'll settle and take a hit that won't be as big of a hit as if they lost. That's my guess. Um, but we'll find out in due time. I don't know how long this sort of thing's going to stay in court. But yeah, it's so if they can admit Joy-Con drift three years in, maybe they can admit online faults 20 years in, or 10 years in, I guess now. Yeah, so, we'll be dead Mark. by then. Jesus. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. We will. Well, at least other companies well, Andrew, are while you're doing on a- it well. While you're on a tear about your your criticism of the Nintendo, you went back to Luigi's Mansion Three, didn't you? How was well, that? <laughs> yeah, my brother and I finally got around to beating it, collecting every single gem in the game. It was about twenty hours, but easily more than half of it was spent looking for the aforementioned gems. Like, if it mm-hmm. wasn't for those gems, like the game would have just been way too easy. But, I mean. And as I said in the beginning when we first talked about this, like, the presentation is good. Like, some stuff I really like about it is the way they, like, just Mario's presentation. Like, I just love how, like, expressive Mario is. And do you mean Luigi per chance or just Mario, Mario. who's in Mario. it for, like, a minute? Well, you haven't beaten it, oh. so I guess. I mean, I know he comes back. At the, it, it, I'm not going to say much more. I just said some people might not have beaten it. Yeah, something anybody <clears> could have <throat> anyone said. Um. Anyway, yeah, like, yeah, just like how much personality Mario was given. It's just really weird to see him in a non-playable role and him acting, you know, just like running around doing his thing, which is just crazy. Although something that really stood out to me and Elvis was how floaty and not good his jumps looked when he was animated doing jumps. Because, you know, like he's running ahead of you, platforming in his Mario way, and you have to, you know... Do it, I mean, Luigi can jump higher than him, but you know he has to climb the stairs, shimmy across, and do do it in an awkward way, and not just jump up. But point is, I thought like Nintendo would, of all the things, to be like 
nitpicky about like, all right, we're going to, um, who made these games? Level seven, seven something. Uh, next level, games. next level games. Yeah. Like here, next level games. We're going to give you the keys to Mario and Luigi. Like you better not mess up Mario's jump because that is literally what he's known for. And yet it's the thing that stands out the most as like, Oh, that did not feel like a good jump. It just felt like it was jumping in space. But, yeah, I don't know why I'm, like, writing so much about this, but I guess it's just something that just really bothered me for some reason. But, um... Does it leave you concerned about the Illumination movie? Uh... I guess so. I guess that means I can't trust them for quality control on their own properties, but... (laughs) (laughs) Or, yeah, like, to check in on them. But, I mean... I mean, on the flip side, though, the theme park looks amazing, so some of it to drink. So, yeah, like, Mario, the way he was portrayed outside of that jump, like, excellent. And the gems definitely carried the game, like, as far as just, like, the meat of the puzzles and the difficulty, just because a lot of the gems were hidden in pretty clever spots. And there were a few that, like, genuinely, like, just stumped us. Like, we had no idea where they were, couldn't think of where to look. We checked everywhere. Next day we come in, we're like, oh, there's this little spot here we could stand on, and it kind of correlates with this other thing, and there you go, there it was. And we find it, like, right away. Like, you do get some genuine aha moments, but then there are other gems that are just kind of haphazardly or just kind of cheaply hidden in places. Like, one of my biggest gripes with Luigi's Mansion 3 is just that it doesn't really feel like I'm exploring the mansion. It feels like I'm just checking off, like, a checklist of mundane tasks like they make they somehow made like the task of i guess like using your poltergeist just kind of mundane and just not as fun towards the end like because by the time you get to the end like if you want to complete everything which we did because we want to see every environment and every interaction um unfortunately you have to anytime you encounter anything new you have to suck at it shine the strobe light at it do your jumpy thing at it and shoot the, the plunger at it just in case it'll interact with any of those because sometimes it isn't clear which one is going to interact with it. So just imagine having to pretty much go through that rotation on everything you can interact with just because sometimes like when you miss it, that's when it actually had to be interacted with that way. And when you do do it, most of the time you get nothing. So just because of the way the levels were designed, it kind of led to that unfortunate side effect. And yeah, I don't know. Like, besides that, I will say that also the bosses, especially the final one, just wasn't that memorable. Like, I really loved how the bosses in the original Luigi's Mansion game were just, like, part of the environment. I love how they were just, like, another puzzle to solve, and they didn't have, like, these cutscenes introducing them. Like, they were just kind of there, and it almost made them creepier in that sense, because like, you wouldn't really know, like, how to interact with them until you get the right thing, and, you know, they're just, like, mm-hmm. part of the set pieces. But in this one, like, every single ghost gets, like, this long cutscene, and sometimes the cutscenes are longer than what it takes to beat them. And most of the time, the boss fights just end up being kind of samey. And at least in Luigi's Mansion, because they weren't really so much boss fights as they were puzzles, like, each one felt completely different. Like, it wasn't just, like, wait for them to appear to attack you so that you could strobe them. Oh, like, in Luigi's Mansion, one of them was, like sucking up all of this guy's food or in another one was like throwing a bone at the dog monster you have to find the bone first from the skeleton ghost monster like they felt just way more integrated and when there were quote-unquote boss battles that had cutscenes, they were also presented in very cool and unique ways and this one i guess because every ghost had one 
and you have to go through 15 floors of them, like, I don't know. I guess it just kind of outstays its welcome, especially because, I mean, me personally, I did not, like, ever since they went with this more cartoony style, going from the old Luigi's Mansion, like, I, it kind of felt like they were just sterilizing it more. Like, none of the ghosts felt memorable. Like, I feel like I have a hard time remembering what the standard ghost in this one looks like compared to the standard ghost in Luigi's Mansion 1. Like, something about mm-hmm. the way they were designed just felt more in line with the Mario universe and just felt, were more appealing. And these feel more generic. They just feel like generic ghosts. Even, like, the super blocky one. That, like, that one's probably the most unique-looking one. The one that's, like, shaped like a red block. And... I don't know, it felt like in the process of giving the game more personality, it, they kind of did the opposite. I feel like with the exception of like Luigi himself and Mario or even Peach the few times she gets to act, like everything just feels so uninspired. It's almost like they took Luigi's Mansion and were like, uh, you know what? The puzzle stuff and all the stuff is great, but I want to make it my own. I want to do something completely different with Luigi's Mansion. And I don't know, it's like you kind of missed the point on what made Luigi's Mansion initially great and kind of went off in his own direction and it ended up coming out not as great like i would honestly say this one is not as good as dark moon kind of putting this like in a downward trend for luigi's mansion quality but Hmm. it's i mean in a vacuum it's a good game but knowing what it could have been just makes it feel that much more disappointing but you know, it's... it's like easy for the wrong reasons and hard for the wrong reasons. Like, I feel like Nintendo is normally really good at finding like a nice balance. Like, I would even say uh-huh. like, like Mario Odyssey. Like, if they literally toned down how many moons they put in levels, um, it would. I, I would say like that would make it like a way much more enjoyable game, because typically I enjoy and have fun going through the whole process of a hundred percenting a Mario game. Like, usually every right. challenge, everything they do is like just keeps escalating and it's always fun and Mario Odyssey right. it was literally like oh my god where's like the damn last moon it's been like hours I don't know where like the heck to look and it's like in the most arbitrary random spots like oh you didn't you mean you didn't look up at the sky at this like tiny little speck of a taxi for like five seconds <laughs> and all of a sudden the moon disappeared in front of you it's like oh okay I guess that's clever like that's <laughs> Well, it sounds like you're describing the gems in Luigi as being a very cut from a very similar cloth. Yeah, like that's why. Like some of them are clever, and the other ones just felt like, like oh, we had to put five in this in each floor. So uh, I guess right. here it is. Because that's the thing too. Like every floor, you know, it's its own theme, and some things are, you know, more clever than others, and other things are more interesting than others. But like, mm-hmm. I just miss like the unifying aesthetic of just being like one giant mansion where everything does kind of feel like it fits together. Like, this literally just feels like, you know, each level is, like, its own separate little game that doesn't really connect with the rest. And I feel like Luigi's Mansion 1 had more interconnectivity with the entire mansion. Like, I liked, I mean, I liked the backtracking. It felt like I was, like, really completing something. But, I mean, this one, it feels, like, right. it feels more like I'm checking off a checklist of things to do instead of... It's interesting, but... Instead of, like, naturally discovering stuff. But... It, it's interesting because they purposely tried to make it like – because like Dark Moon was very compartmentalized in that regard because yeah. the whole idea was like, oh, play it on the go. It's, they tr- it seemed like they tried to walk that back, but I guess at least to you it still well, had that I compartmentalization. Mean, it, it, it was like no different than Dark Moon except they're on the same building. Like yeah. having – like, yeah. oh, let's have one floor be Egyptian-themed and it's like so Egyptian-themed or like one floor be a movie studio. It's like at that point, like 
they it's almost like they had no business being in the same hotel, but they are. Like it's yeah. Hey, it could be a themed hotel. No, 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 it it, no, and, 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 no, no, and it can be, but like <laughs> game like, gameplay wise, it doesn't solve the issue of like oh, right. let's have everything be in one place instead of three separate places, so we can have a more unifying theme. But they still don't because they made every room so distinct, which is fine, but right. It's not what you're yeah, like, for. and honestly, I would even say the boss battles in Dark Moon were way more inspired, like, and just way more mm-hmm. unique. Like, I remember more of them. Like, there was like the giant like ice monster that you're like inside of a giant drill and you're going downwards, and I don't know, that was just really cool. It was in 3D and it just has a very cool looking face. The only one I remember off the top of my head liking was the shark. It was like a shark ghost, and he goes into the boat you're fighting him on, and then his face becomes like the broken planks of wood. And that just has like a really cool effect to it. But mm-hmm. everyone else just looks like generic ghost person with a wig. It's like, oh, okay, I guess they're a dancer. Or they're like a bodybuilder right. or like a hillbilly or something. But, yeah. There was something you said in there that caught my ear. You mean it kind of, it almost feels like they took Luigi's Mansion, like, oh, we have to make it something different now, right? That's what you're saying? It felt more like innovation for the sake of innovation instead of like you know yeah building, like so you finding know something that works and just building on top of it instead of like because i mean it does kind of feel like they built on top of what Luigi's mentioned one did but they the level design didn't cater around that it's like they kind of built two different games with like the original system so i don't know you are whether intentionally or not it's in describing ex- it's in what? my notes how I felt. What I'm about to say? No, no, no. But I'm saying you're intentionally or not perfectly syncing up with exactly the design philosophy they that the producer of that game has. And the reason I bring it up, and I said at the top, it's interesting that you're bringing up Luigi's Mansion now, because the producer of that game, uh, Kensuke Tanabe, who's been in Nintendo forever, this is his mo. This is what he does, and he was talking about it just the other day with Game Informer about Paper Mario: The Origami King. And I was going to bring it up in the context of well, these two games are. You know, both by him. So I guess that's kind of a, a reason to bring them together. I didn't think you're going to line them up that perfectly, but yeah, he was saying in this interview, uh, you know, um, that I'm just going to read the quote. When continuing a game series, it's much easier to carry over the basics from an existing game rather than building new systems for each new installment. But that's not how you create new experiences or unexpected surprises. As a game designer, I want to deliver new experiences and surprises to our fans. So I, uh, I always challenge myself to create something new. To be sure, I will sometimes use the same system in a subsequent game to further develop that system until I feel it has reached its full potential. But my goal is to continue to tackle new challenges as much as possible. So literally what you're saying where someone took Luigi's Mansion and went, okay, we need to do something different with that, is his MO. Uh, so he's the reason why Nintendo has been coming out with some not that so good. I mean, he... has he played Mario Galaxy 2? Like that game didn't reinvent <laughs> Galaxy. <laughs> like it literally took what was great yeah. from Galaxy – and just like built on it and it still surprised me it still gave me a new experience and i like love the heck out of it well let me give you a list of some of the games he's involved with to further boil your blood all right so ready he did a lot of the more experimental kirby's and and again he's only the producer so he's the overseer he's the one giving guidance so you know the more experimental kirby's like canvas curse and mass attack he did the metroid primes including yes federation force he did the chibi robos from the original to the photo safari one up through ziplash he's done the paper marios he's done the mario versus dk series wait when you say paper marios you mean thousand year door and up he did thousand year door and then followed it up with staker star Uh uh-huh no, it was Super Paper Mario, and then it was Sticker Star. 
Jesus. He did the <laughs> he did the Mario versus Donkey Kong series, which um, to be fair, they were for a long time cookie cutter, but then actually got kind of interesting. The 3DS one's actually really good and very. Wait, what do you mean cookie cutter? It was like um, only the same. It was the Mario vs. Donkey Kong series. Was fir- they first, did they did yeah. they did yeah for like go well, ahead. first it was like a GBA remake of like Donkey Kong eighty six or whatever it was called like yeah. the platformer Mario, like that one, the Game Boy Advance one was really cool like that's like pretty much what I yes. wanted from the Paper Mario I mean from the Mario vs Donkey Kong series, yeah and then I guess they went with the March of the Minis which was cool, that's what I meant. The le- when they went Lemmings, they kept it at Lemmings for like three or four yeah. games. And then they changed it again with the 3DS one, which is basically Lemmings combined with a 3D Rub- Rubik's Cube-looking slide puzzle, which I thought was really cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, so he did all those. In fact, he also did the Donkey Kong Country uh, Returns and Tropical Freeze entries, which there's a story flowing around. I don't know if it's true that apparently he's the one that told him drop the Kremlings and do something new. Ugh. So there's definitely a through line here if you aren't picking up on it. And I'm not trying to say he's bad at games or like his choices are poor because there's some interesting cool games throughout those but it is interesting how every game series that seems to like uh like kind of ditch its roots to the frustration of fans has him as kind of the overseer that's kinda what, that's, <laughs> like a lot of those games like especially the later ones like they all feel like they took the stuff that i guess like executive shareholders would think people would want more of and give us more of that instead of what actually made us love it to begin with but, yeah, and what's what's interesting, and and and, is... and his philosophy kind of seems to echo, like I guess Miyamoto recently, which you know sometimes doesn't always produce great stuff. I would say Miyamoto. No, see, I think Miyamoto is a little different. I think Nintendo outside Tanabe is a little different. I think Miyamoto has this point of we come up with a gameplay concept, and then we see what IP it fits, and that's how a lot of the new IPs are formed. Like Splatoon started as just a random. Block, no, 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 no. no. I, I'm, th- I'm thinking buddies. his refusal, but to like. I mean, Galaxy 2 oh, is mean, not Galaxy mean, 2 because yeah. of Miyamoto. Like, it wasn't a... Right, other right. Game. That's because of... Yeah, yeah like, like I'm um, talking about his MO. Yeah. Like, we have to have something completely new and innovative to bring it out. Which I feel well, like see, you that, sometimes I, don't need. I feel like sometimes I that could, much... that sometimes could lead to... That's like a dangerous slope to lead down to if you're just trying to innovate for the sake of innovation. I very much feel like that's holdover logic from the DS and Wii days, and I very much feel like Tanabe's clung to that even more than Miyamoto has. Oh no, yeah, definitely. Days, but like, Miyamoto is completely excusable. No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's on um, a new F Zero. Like, come on, man, just give no, it a freaking I mean, F Zero. Like, you don't even have to do it. Don't even touch <laughs> it. Give it a Sega again, even though apparently he didn't like it. I don't know why he didn't like it. It's so good. And it, it, the problem is, uh, the studio at Sega AV doesn't exist anymore. But they've all been scattered. But the point is, I think what's interesting is like this logic was absolutely what Nintendo needed to do in the DS and Wii days because they had new types of control input. They had these different interfaces. You had to adapt to those. You had to take concepts you knew and present them in new ways. And sure, you build on the existing system that's there, as he's describing, but you do need to do something different or else it's just like, um, why am I playing on this motion control thing with just a nunchuck? Like, what is going on? Like, it just doesn't make sense for the mission of the system. But we're now past that. And I would say even the Wii U was that idea, but misguided. Like, oh, they have to do something with the gamepad because they put a screen I mean, in and, the gamepad. And, and that's fine. Like, when it's, but, like, a new um, game in the series or something. Like, I'm just specifically talking sequels when we know, like, the previous entry, on, like, did something that resonated with a lot of people. Your argument that's is if it's to. broken, why fix it? 
Yeah, and that, that's what I'm building towards is Nintendo used to say, well, we're fixing it because we're making it work for our new platform. The problem is where there's a different interface entirely. The problem is they've now gone back to the interface where things were pre-broken. So why are they not going back to what the fans want? That's, the I think, the sticking point where you are currently. Because, like, you know, Chibi Robo, okay, you want to do something with the camera on a DSi or a 3DS or whatever that Chibi Robo photo game is. Chibi Robo makes sense for that. You go explore your house just like he explores your house. It, it lines up. But then once you're past that, why does Chibi Robo become a side scroller? Why not go back to the previous entry? And you could argue, well, it didn't sell well enough, but we have potential and, you know, hope in the IP. Well, okay, so why make it the most generic platform or not some sort of hybrid? <laughs> not the thing, thing. that like, people were actually asking for. But Yeah, but then again, how many people? That's the thing. And obviously there's different tiers of it, and obviously fans can be vocal, but this, there could be like a quieter majority of people who just buy the game and like it. But nonetheless, like, I don't know why the, his mission statement is every single one has to divert from every single other. I mean, me who loved Chibi Robo did not buy Chibi Robo Zip Flash because I did not want a Chibi Robo platformer. And it looks like I did a good right. choice because what kind of. It's not bad. What kind of, pla- what kind of platformer leads <laughs> it up to a roulette to decide whether you get to advance or not? Like, come on. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Well, no, no, no. I think you still advance. I think it was just if you get like bonuses or something. No, it was it, it was about advance. Are you sure? Yeah, it wasn't the best thing huh, ever. I don't remember that. Yeah. So and there's and that's a good example too. It's like they have to create something new, so they just do that weird thing. And again, I don't think it's like like obviously Tanabe's been there forever. He's been involved with the old Mario games, and all sorts of stuff. He's a known figure at Nintendo, so it's not like it's this guy coming out of nowhere like I don't know how this works and just doing stuff. But it is interesting that like if you look at his output, it is very much this path mine with some exceptions like star fox he did star fox assault he did none of the others so you know it's not always always and he did some stuff that didn't really iterate in crazy ways he did uh the pushmo series they stuck to the same yeah path. they had a, so they, it really they, depends Pushmo was really great because they actually had a very gradual way of like evolving the gameplay like yeah like stretch mode like i thought like was a very cool and new way of like actually doing it than just doing like the regular drawers i don't know they, they've all been really great what, what's funny is if you actually look at what he's done um, with, like, Paper Mario, he is doing that evolution. The problem is he's on a track that people don't want him on. And again, he's only the producer. There's other people who are making the, the nitty-gritty decisions. He's just kind of an advisor. But nonetheless, the yeah, track the they're on from Sticker Star to Colors. Word with more, right. but... but, yeah, but from, like, Sticker Star to Color Splash to now Origami uh, King, like, there's a very steady progression of that path. And, like, the new one, you know, they're now changing up that. Like, the first one was, okay, you're basically finding stuff in the world, and that's it. The second one's like, okay, so you're finding stuff, but you know what? We're going to make battles a little more engaging, and you actually need to do them, and there's a reason. And now this one's like, okay, battles are more engaging, great. We're doing this weird, like, ring thing where you have to line up a ring before the battle begins, and then you do the battle. And then, like, you only get a certain number of turns to move the ring. Can't move the ring fast enough? That's okay. You can buy co- you can use coins in-game to buy extra turns and stuff like that. So they're, like, doing different things that are down a path, but the path is based on the logic of we need to do something different from what it was before, and then we need to keep evolving on that different thing till we max it out. Then we pivot again. And it's like, or you could go back to the other thing. I mean, Mario Luigi isn't even a franchise anymore as of now. Alpha Dream's bankrupt. So, like, there's a void of traditional RPGs, and guess what? After Color Splash, going in the direction of a normal RPG is something different and is a new system and is full of surprises because fans are now following the Color Splash route. So... Like they're they're I don't know. It's just I thought it was just interesting that he said that and it match it meshes surprisingly well with your point about um Luigi. So Yeah, and I mean I don't know. It it just has to click or I don't know. I mean I've I think the problem was is that like there was only one Luigi's mansion. Like there was before we got a big 
drastic change. Like, it's not yeah. like, for example, like God of War, where we went through like six entries before they finally changed the gameplay style. Like, as much as I like the first entries, like, yeah, I, at some point, like, they definitely needed to like overhaul it if they actually want the franchise to survive for another yeah. couple of years as long as it did. I mean, everything good, no matter how good it is, does get stale. And just look at the new Super Mario Brothers series. Definitely didn't mm-hmm. deserve the new moniker by the end. And, you know, it, it's interesting, though, because we I love are those, sitting but yeah. from our first... We're seeing it from our perspective, though, where, like, we have the nostalgia for the original Luigi's Mansion and experienced it Yeah, honestly... But yeah, Nintendo it, pumps out Dark Moon and goes, well, that sold great. People love this. And then did Dark Moon 2 I mean, honestly, Luigi's like, Mansion I, 3. And it I mean, sold honestly, great. I wouldn't so... blame them. Like, like, also having that in mind, like, damn. Like, on one hand, like, damn, we're getting old. And on the other hand... Yeah. It's like, yeah, like, a lot of people... Probably had never played the original, and even though it did get re-released on 3DS, like I could easily see them going like, "Hey, let's just take the concept of Luigi's Mansion and build this game around it." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, if I hadn't played the original, I probably would have liked these a lot more. It's only because you know, like, we are who we are, and we're just like, oh, "I really wanted this, and it's not this," and it's kind of hard to compare yeah. it to that. And I mean, some aspects, albeit like obviously weren't as fun or less inspired, but that doesn't take away from the fact that. You know, you like what you like, and it's hard. It's yeah, not, and, it, think, it's, and I'm not gonna not compare. And I'm not gonna, yeah, not compare a game called Luigi's Mansion Three to Luigi's Mansion One or Luigi's Mansion Right, Dark of course. Moon, so, and I think I think one thing that Tanabe has in his favor is a lot of his games just have subtitles and not numbers. So he could argue, you know, like Super Paper Mario is a totally different naming scheme than Paper the other Paper Mario. So that can be its own thing, and everyone be like, oh yeah, it's a spinoff. None of the Paper Mario, there but like number, coming back. Or... No, but they all had – but you could say, okay, there's Paper Mario, then there's Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. So that's the direct sequel. has a yes. subtitle. Now there's Super oh, Paper Mario. That's clearly something different. 198. But – right? But uh, yeah, so that's clearly some other thing because it says Super in front. It's like a spinoff. But then when they came back to the naming scheme, that's when then people could go, well, that's not Thousand – like if they called it Super Paper Mario Sticker Star, I would – I feel like people would be like, oh, this isn't Paper Mario, but then again, it's not called Paper Mario. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it, it could have... Like, like, one company should call it really easy. well... Like, uh, put a little E and a Z, like, <laughs> right before on the top. It's easy, Paper Mario. Sticker I was going to say, one company that does this surprisingly well, shiny, huh? weirdly, is Square Enix. Oh. Like, they have... Like, they'll say everything's Final Fantasy, but they have so many different naming schemes that you can immediately go, okay, this is a main Final Fantasy. Okay, this is a weird spin-off. All right, my okay, time to shine. So, second spin-off. Final yes. Fantasy, right? And you, you go yeah. all the way to 10. And then it gets yeah. bonkers. Then we get 10-2, baby. <laughs> Wait, they actually made it to 10, 10 without any kind of derailment? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. They're, 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 they're spin-offs, but they kept the numbers. There, but like main, oh, no. main, like main tactics. Saves, yeah. No, no, yeah, that's it. I'm just talking like mainline sequels like Tales, Zillia 2, and whatnot. Ye, okay, yeah. So they basically went all the way to 10. 10 was the first one they get a sequel. Then 11 came out. That was an MMO. Then 12. 12 didn't get a sequel. Uh, no. 12 did get a sequel. Remnant Wings on the DS. What? Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You got a sequel. I forgot about that one. Then 13 with its 50 sequels. Uh, and then 14 is an MMO. And then 15 got DLC, which might as well be sequels. Well, But you no, know what's beautiful sequels. about that is you know if you're getting Final Fantasy... 14 2 or whatever the gameplay is going to be like final fantasy 14 versus if you get final fantasy 10 the gameplay is going to be like 2 it's going to be like not true 10. anymore 
Really? Yep. They're now mixing that up? Okay, never mind. Square Enix, you... I guess, I guess like... I guess I shouldn't have given credit, because now I think about, like, Kingdom Hearts, they all have subtitles, and they're all summer sequels, summer spinoffs. <laughs> so, Kingdom Hearts... Or no, that's no, not true. Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 3... Yeah, none of them are spinoffs. Kingdom not Hearts the 3 music one. is the 11th Oh, come on. Game. The rhythm one has to... Is the 11th the, the, game the, in the Kingdom Hearts series. <laughs> I take back everything I said all about Square. The, all the games um, preceding uh, Kingdom Hearts, all canon. Even though they're spinoffs, they're, they're, they're absolutely canon, and they are integral to the story of Kingdom Hearts 3. There was a character that showed up in Kingdom Hearts 3 that I was like, who the hell is this jackass? And then I learned that he was from the mobile spinoff. It's like, okay, okay, well, well, screw me. So that means people are. So does that mean you're going to wait? Does that mean you're going to have to play the new rhythm one they just announced? Yeah, they're going to Square Enix is going to find a way to make that canon. I mean, so I mean, they showed a trailer. I mean, after the the rhythm part, I, I remember seeing like part of the trailer involved like some plot stuff. Like, it seemed like there was, like, some lore stuff being, like, teased. Oh, yeah. So, so that trailer very much felt like this is phase two of the Kingdom Hearts story. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, phase two? Like, I got... Yeah, phase two. I, We're just entering phase I, two? Yep. <laughs> Jesus. By the way, for those who those who don't know what game we're talking about, it's Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory is the name. And it's, like, if everyone played theater yeah. rhythm back in the day, Kingdom Hearts it's Mom. like that, but with Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, okay, I take back the square thing. Because I was thinking, like, I know that every numbered Final Fantasy has a different gameplay, and then the ones that have, like, subtitles without a number are clearly the spinoffs, like Crystal Chronicles, Tactics, whatever. But I didn't realize that they were starting to mix and match the numbers once they got over 10 and make it even with subtitles. And it, well, like, so I I said, like I Nintendo, said, Nintendo, you're still doing better. 11 got was the, was the MMO, and then 12 was, like, a, a single-player MMO. Right. And then the... 13 was its own thing. And then 15 is just straight-up an action game. I wonder if uh, I wonder if we're ever gonna get a real Kingdom Hearts because the, the they've been like like Square Enix has given us um, spinoffs. We got three and a half, oh, three three fifty eight over two whatever on the DS, and like uh, now we have the rhythm one on well, Switch. Not even and we have Chain of Memories. Integral three five eight over two days is to the overall story. There, there. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts has Chain no, of Memories Kingdom on Hearts, the Game Boy. Kingdom Hearts too. has no spinoffs. Kingdom Hearts is lit- it's just Kingdom Hearts. There are no spinoffs. Let me rephrase. It, I wonder if we're gonna get a. Mm, I don't even know how to rephrase it. I guess there's no way. To the last it. one that I guess the, we are the last proper Kingdom Hearts game that that Nintendo got was uh, Dream Drop Perfectly. Distance on 3DS. Oh wait, that's the PS right. Vita one, right? Because 3D and that and that Dream one Drop Distance and that one was very integral to the story, and I did not play that one. So imagine <sighs> my confusion when these little monsters are running around. That oh god. I hate Kingdom Hearts so much. If um, and yet you keep playing. Are you gonna get? Are you so you are gonna get the the rhythm game? Oh, right? absolutely. <laughs> so if you ignore the no, the compilations they've released on the PS4, and I'm assuming other consoles except the Switch, how many devices minimum would you have to own in order to have played everything up to that point? Okay, uh, PS2, Game Boy, uh, Game Boy Advance. Yes, <laughs> I'm not, like not Game Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game Boy Advance. Yeah, GBA. Uh, GBA. DS, 3DS, PSP. The Vita didn't get one. Uh, a Japanese only mobile. Uh, well, I guess I guess they remade that one into coded on the 3DS, recoded into the 3DS. Uh, PS4 because the PS3 didn't get uh, any Kingdom Hearts games. Uh, I think that's it. So Damn. minimum six or seven. Yeah, seven. Oh, and then the smartphone, so eight. <laughs> That's quite a lot. Usually, you would just ex- 
it is interesting that you have to like jump like platforms like not even just like consoles to handhelds but just like if you were just a nintendo fan that also happened to be a like a huge kingdom hearts fan you're literally missing like sucks to be you. yeah or vice versa <laughs> like if you were like oh i mean kingdom hearts one and two were on the ps2 like why would i ever need to buy another like console manufacturer and oh you'd be wrong yeah like well just wait is the show gonna be canon like like they're doing a show like a disney plus show what what Kingdom Hearts, we were talking earlier about all these games being turned into shows. Kingdom Hearts is supposedly getting a Disney Plus show. Wait, hold Unclear on, hold if on. it's live action or there animated. Was a yeah, canceled, there was a canceled pilot that was supposed to come out around the time of Kingdom Hearts 2. No, so there's I'm like Disney Plus is working so on it. So I'm wondering if Rumor they maybe like pick Rumor that back up. Maybe. Because Disney Plus needs content because they had to like pump the brakes on everything due to COVID. So they're looking wherever they can. Under every rock. <laughs> Why should it not even be like a retelling of the whole story to clear things it's up? Just and a it's just like, and it's just like some extra stuff. It follows some other character, then it'll tie into the next game. Knowing, knowing everything Kevin just said, probably. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he found it. He clearly just found Are there it. Any novels or any like? <laughs> there's Kingdom Hearts the stage play that also has some core. Lore. That's another. That's I, another one. By the way, another thing. I wouldn't be surprised if the live orchestras that they do are somehow canon. <laughs> <laughs> Only you people Muscle that attended will, will know what yeah. this symbol means. When you what play this character also. shows up in, in Kingdom Hearts five divided by two XX three, <laughs> the musical. Yeah, but yeah. Also, um, speaking of things being converted in shows, it's being announced. It's been announced by the time this episode goes live. Uh, the world ends with you is getting an anime as well. Yeah, Grace the world ends, all ends with you. Oh, yeah. uh, spoilers for Kingdom Hearts three. Skip, skip ahead a minute. Uh, at the end of Kingdom Hearts three. And uh, ends what? up ends up in the world in in Tokyo from the world ends with you. And spoiler, wait, is that what? Is that why... Wait, 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 wait. So the world ends with you is is now canon, and it... the anime that they're announcing by the time this wait, is live is, is now. Is that canon? why the main character Probably. from the is that why the main character God. from the world ends with you appears in Empress and Dream Dream Drop Distance? I have no idea. They haven't explained he... that part. Whoa, that's a that's because he's deep in what he's play in, on he's in one of those Kingdom Hearts games as a player. Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's in he's in Dream Drop Distance. Uh, so Square Enix is just going full MCU now, huh? Damn. Oh man, the art style is similarish. I guess that makes sense. But yeah. well, I think Tetsuya Nomura drew the world ends with you, or I think he was the director yeah, of, he of the world ends with you. There's a lot of crossover on the teams between the two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Wow, I I mean you I I'm wow. So Kingdom Hearts is actually okay. Interesting, interesting. Don't, I don't know where it takes. I don't know where it takes the show from here. Kingdom we Hearts. might just have to stop there. Yeah, avoid it. Like if you've place. avoided it for this long, you can go on the rest of your life without knowing about Kingdom Hearts, or else you'll be stuck in a cycle of pain and misery like I am. Whenever whenever they bring out a new game, I have to rewatch a primer, a two hour primer, every single time the new game comes out. I'm done with this podcast. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, it works out because we're also done. Unless there's anything else or more rants to go through, I think we've hit all the things we're going to talk about today. You can pre- Anyone have a last minute? You things? can pre-order Metroid Prime Four right now on Best Buy. You can, and I guarantee you, you have no idea what it's going to be like because no one does. Because who knows what Tanabe's going to do? He's this producer too. Soon. Oh, god damn it! He produced Metroid Prime One, Two, and Three as well, though. So don't be too disappointed. Enough. Well, he, producer. I, I mean, I feel like we're giving the producer. I mean, it does deserve a lot of credit, yeah. but it doesn't really have a lot of creative credit. It's more of like, all right, exactly. we have to cut this because he we just, don't have time to it. So he, 
he has more control over what they cut and what they have well, to so add, I guess. when Nintendo, well, sort of. When Nintendo does producers with outside studios, they're the advisor representing Nintendo, and then the director is someone in the outside studio. So if he says, uh-uh, then that's that. That's true. I guess it is. Yeah, yeah. that would be different. So, well, we'll see. I mean, 2023, when Metroid Prime 4 comes out, we'll see. Or 2026, or whenever it is. But in the meantime, unless there's anything else, I think I'm just going to wrap this thing. Um, I mean, Kevin already rage quit over Kingdom Hearts. I don't know where he went. But uh, our next episode, uh, when Kevin returns from his Kingdom Hearts uh, vision quest, will be on July 19th. (laughs) It'll be on July 19th, and uh, it should have some good stuff. Among other things, uh, Ubisoft's big summer presentation will be happening in the days leading up to it. Uh, There's probably another wave of Summer Game Fest news. And, of course, whatever we've been playing, uh, I am excited to check out – or I've been checking out uh, Liberated that kind of noir comic book game, so I'm going to be having impressions of that at the very least. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Doesn't Paper Mario come um, out on the 17th? It does, but, I mean, if you can play it that quick, more power to you. I mean... Right. But if not, we'll talk... We'll never... uh, Tsushima we'll... also comes out that day. All right, sorry, Paper Mario. <laughs> See, so we'll, we'll say Paper Mario, but we'll have plenty. We'll have plenty. So to make sure you don't miss it, you can follow us on Twitter at RamNintendo, where we will tweet it out. You can subscribe to us on all the podcast apps under the sun. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora. We are on YouTube. Our channel is RamNintendo.com. We are individually on the Twitters. I am JSR7. Angel's Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomi, where I really hope, Kevin, you should, you should like live tweet all your Kingdom Hearts feelings every time you have to watch those two-hour primers. It'd be very amusing for at least me as you go through that pain. Yeah, it sounds like it's not going to happen. Okay, so that does it. Uh, Kevin, you do have final words, you know, so I'm going to pass it to you. Don't get into Kingdom Hearts. Save yourself.